I'm interested. Speaking of like you know British versus not, like when does when does Valpurgis Nacht? Uh, I didn't do much research on that in the end. Um, when does that become like such a standard feature of um, European craft? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, uh, early modern period. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, which coincides with witches in general, right? Like, because we're not sure. people there, and there's she's still the the church is still a thing, but the ideas of 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 the mountain and how it happens is going to be popularized during the witch trials themselves, all around the same time, from what I understand, they're going to Brocken. But of course, it's Goethe that that popularizes it past anything. There we go. That's probably where it starts. Yeah. So, not not to be too like, oh, let's focus on the figure of the witch uh, rather than actual witches uh, or witchcraft or witch trials or, or the worry about them. The side that fascinates me is we're not celebrating her death day. We're celebrating the moving of her relics to a new place. So mm. it's literally tied into night flight. It's tied into the moving of bones, the uprooting of something and taking them somewhere else. So mm. That parallels the Sabbath journey to me very strongly. Right. Uh, so there is a thing of celebrating the the translation of relics, mm-hmm. which is translate. And so translation is just when when it moves from one yeah. center to another. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. The tourist board puts extra money in. Yeah. So the the witchcraft side of it is is you know the folk traditions that are. It's hard to date when folk traditions start, but right. certainly by you know, the 16th, 17th centuries, we have fantastical descriptions of things going on mm. um, for oily bones and everything. It mm-hmm. doesn't, we can even uh, compare some of the things with, with our saint of the day. So I guess, I mean, at that point, hi, welcome to Radio Free Golgotha. Um, Hello. If you don't know what you're here for, uh, neither do we. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, it's been a while since we've done one. Our last one was in November, which hopefully will be. Um, it, hopefully, you've listened to it uh, at some point um, uh, in the ether. Uh, but uh, we are celebrating the uh, quarantine feast day of Catherine of Siena, who is uh, April 29th and 30th, mm-hmm. depending on how traditional pre-Vatican II you are, or in that in that constellation. So. Um, yeah, welcome to Radio Free Golgotha. Uh, my, I'm Jesse. This is yep. Al. I'm Al. <laughs> um, and uh, we uh, do this thing, uh, supposedly. Uh, so, uh, welcome to Quarantined RFG. Um, Al and I are very well social distanced by hundreds of miles. Um, yeah. Even more so than just the burrows between us of usual. Uh, <laughs> But uh, today is Catherine of Siena focus. We are going to focus on uh, Astra uh, and the may introduce a side of the King and the Queen of the Seven Crossroads who are the kind of syncretisms with Astaroth and Astarte uh, from the Kimana perspective. Uh, what else are we dealing with Al? Oh, we're uh, going to be chatting about Mandrake, uh, seen as uh, it's a, a Volperga influence. We've gone a, we've gone a little bit witchier than usual, which I'm, I'm very excited about. So we're going to be talking about uh, Mandrake. And uh, this episode also brought to you by the, the type of magic, colon, 
night flight. Sorry, that's not colon night flight. Um, that would probably be. A little, <laughs> um, I was I was meant to be a, a meaningful pause. Uh, brought to you by the kind of magic, night flight, uh, and also by the tarot card the moon, and by the geomantic figure of Albus which I believe shares its uh, form, its formation with uh, Oturupon. Am I saying that right? Oturupon Meji and then Marunla in the lagoon. Ah. And also a uh, magician of the episode is Isabel Gaudi. So I'm very excited to, to talk about some Scottish witchcraft yeah, as well. some finagling to get Al to, to be okay with that. Um, did we mention Quartz? Quartz is coming in too. Oh, I didn't. I missed that one. Yes, and Quartz. It's great because we, we, we decided that Quartz gets forgotten about and kind of shunned. So I'm, I'm glad that it was almost forgotten about in our intro to <laughs> indicate it later. I was... That is yeah. Quartz. It um, was performative pedagogy, clearly. Yes, absolutely. Um, everything's performative pedagogy in retrospect. <laughs> <laughs> you learn more from a monster than a teacher. So, uh, where do you want to start? I'm assuming... Uh, with the saint in that way yeah let's get let's get sainted up um i know i feel like catherine of siena is um you know someone that you uh don't speak of a lot but speak of quite fondly when you do um and she seems you or the actual you oh i meant you you oh you like me the sheep okay Mm -hmm. yeah um ram jesse yes uh yes no i uh both catherines are phenomenal right um Right, and that's that's not a bad start. That's the, the, the that's the first thing I noted down is that I started reading the Golden Legend and was like, I don't think this is Sienna, um, and it's it's not. It's Alexandria. So, um, you know, we're back to our familiar issue of hagiographic blur, uh, especially when you know they 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 share the same damn name. Um, so again, uh, usual provisos. Catherine of Siena is not Catherine of Alexandria, except when the things that she does in her stories are because of that hagiographic blur, except when they're not except when they are. Yes, and, and the conflation happens anyway. And there's even um, uh, one of the depictions of the sacred marriage depicts them both taking their vows with Mary and baby Jesus. Right, um, and I kind of I like that. And, it, and it, I think it adds a layer of like considering, um, you know, the Catherines that that's a way of saying, yes, they share some features. They're also distinct, uh, but look at them. They both married um, Jeebus. Yeah. I think the, I mean, Catherine of Alexandria is her own fascinating subject, and obviously there's things that are going to come in with Catherine of Siena. Alexandria is the, the Catherine wheel, Catherine. Um, mm. She's a martyr, as opposed to Catherine of Siena, who is wholly anorexic, um, invisible stigmata, uh, yeah. doctor of the church, pat- one of the patron saints of Europe, which is fascinating too, because it was the, there were the two female doctors of the church that were the first two um she's the second right right on the tails of Teresa of Avila like oh, okay each other so there is this extreme um call to have mystic women mm. with visions and uh pseudo-orgasmic revelations uh to be the first female named doctors of the church named female doctors of the church huh do you uh, think that's do you think that's a, a carryover of the old men are brain smart and women are body smart? Um, it might be in their popular devotion, but they weren't made doctors until 1970. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think that I, during that kind of, I think the call to honor women in the church as doctors was its own 
perhaps product of post-Vatican II and a call to a different social awareness by the church. Mm. But I don't, you know, I think her popular, I mean, the fact that her feast day changed is because of her, her cult being so popular. She died on the 29th of April um, in a Jesus year, 33. Um, and uh, because of the devotion to an already popular saint, they didn't want to uh, compete. So they moved her feast day to one day later to April 30th. Right. And then with the re reassignment of the, and the reevaluation of the calendar, that cult that had displaced her feast day was nowhere near as popular. It was only popular in that local area, whereas Catherine of Siena was now incredibly loved right. by the church. Um, you know, she's depicted uh, in uh, uh, third order robes with a crown of thorns very often. She is a mystic. Um, oh, really? With a crown of thorns as well? Oh, yeah. She's a stigmatic. But yeah. her stigmata is uh, only for her to see. That was her request of God. So she received the stigmata, but it wasn't something other people saw, which is interesting too. Huh. So do, what, are the, what are the records of that? Not, not what are the records, like tell me the name of the manuscript or something, but like... Oh, it's very clear. It's a, her biography talks about it, which was done by a priest um, yeah. who records it. Um, and there's the visions that she has throughout the various... Uh, in things from an early age that all are contained in her in her biography. Yes, is it is it Raymond, her confessor? Yeah, yeah, he takes a bunch of those records, doesn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a hell of a promotion she goes through, right? From um, uh, you know, not only the doctor of the church thing, but also moving from uh, a patron of Rome to Italy to the whole of Italy to the whole of Europe. Yes, and share she shares her patronage, but still, it's it's. This is not a nun, let's be clear. She's, she, we, we, we look at her artwork depictions. This is a laywoman. She's third order. Um, right, the Dominicans, right? Well, Dominicans, Dominicans have first and second order too. It's just that uh, third order means layperson. Second order is nun, first order is friar. Mm -hmm. So uh, like St. Francis started all three. So if you're a layperson in the third order, it means that you're not living in an abbey or behind cloistered walls or anything like this. She she kind of defies her parents. So she, she has these visions from an early age and she um, wants to dedicate her life to God. They don't like this. She, her, she's also a twin with a dead twin at that, which of course stands out right there, right? So there's something interesting in that. And that speaks mm -hmm. to um, as well, interestingly. Mm. Uh, but her mother, by the time she had finished, had like 22 children by the time she'd had Catherine. And like 25 children, all in all, half of them had died. Of course. And I mean, that's, that's a lot of children. Yeah. Uh, and the, the idea that she, she did what many of the early martyrs did in, in kind of this protest of being married off because her, the family was trying to secure their wealth and their status and her older sister died and they were going to marry her to the widow. Yes, right. And, and here's one of the one of the crossovers with because um, Catherine of Alexandria is also a, a, a faster as well, right? Um, yeah. does, does a lot of the um, uh, and and for the same reasons, right? That again, she's uh, she wants to marry uh, the church slash God slash Jesus, and the folks want her secured off, um, and so she does it to um, uh, protest, right? Um, and there was I, I read some note about. The, the sister's widower uh, not having treated the sister terribly well 
uh, yeah. supposedly, but that the 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 fasting starts to like make him see that this isn't a joke. Yeah, and it's her. I mean, she's she is she's kind of bratty about it. I mean, it's it's fantastic her brattiness um, <laughs> as she uses it all as weapons for her spirituality, right? So she um, she becomes a third order religious person, meaning she lives at home. She right, right. Dressed like a nun, but live at home. And she was famous for giving her parents stuff away without their permission. <laughs> and it, it caused a lot of problems because every time there was a fight, I mean, the, this is the, the lore around it, right? That any time that she needed to get special messages across to people, it's like, oops, sorry, sold your bed. Mm. Someone needed it. I gave the alms to the poor and the bed to to wherever. Yeah. Um, so she has this reputation. Um, in, in that way. Also that she kind of does that um, spouse yoga. Um, and like the, there's a, is it, it's, someone please correct me, but I know that there's the bhakti devotion to a deity, but there's that form of um, finding God through serving your spouse, for instance. Um, she does this, of course, because she's married to Jesus, but she immediately envisions her mother as the Virgin Mary, her father as Joseph and her brothers as the apostles. Yes. She does serving the home by making them in her mind, the ideal version of what they should be. Mm -hmm. And therefore it brings her closer to God constantly because she's treating every interaction with everybody around her as if she's a character in the gospels. Right. Um, she's, she's living that life intimately. I also really, really enjoy with the mystic marriage, her, her foreskin passage is just like, that's, it's an interesting, weird visual to bring up, it, I think it gets kind of overemphasized. At the same time, I can tell why it's just, but the idea that um, she compares the foreskin that's chopped off of um, uh, baby Jesus as the perfect size as a wedding band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was wondering how this one was gonna go in terms of also not wanting to um, feel like I'm 13 in, a, in my religious education class, again, at the back, sniggering. Um, and that you were gonna, you know, put forward a lot of like beautiful tenets of her mysticism, and I was gonna be like, but talk about the foreskin. Um, but no, yeah, you're quite right. Uh, 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 a beautiful, um, uh, a beautiful motif. Um, what is it? Uh, one one biographer said like a, a, a fusion with Christ's physicality. Yes, well, definitely the divine marriages of many of the holy anorexics, oh, Teresa of Avila. Um, included that there is uh, it's or corporeal union with with God in this lifetime, right? Um, because they're also only eating the Eucharist as their nourishment. Yeah, yeah. The the the, the lack of um, the fact that it isn't you know some typical um, pushy heathen husband who has her put to death for not doing what he he wants, but rather seems to be her just. Um, uh, you know, taking the fasting incredibly seriously, eventually describing her inability to eat as uh, as an illness, right? Uh, well, especially on her deathbed, that like mm -hmm. as she started going towards it, because she lost the use of her legs in the last <laughs> days of her life, and well, it's mean, the, it, yeah, it's the last like month, right? That's that's the end of February. It was claimed, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. So she's she's existing off the Holy Eucharist and pretty much nothing else. Uh, her legs just going really, really. I mean. <laughs> really really hard <laughs> like, like many people's this year uh, <laughs> she's overachieving lent yeah mm -hmm. uh, and, and also uh i i saw you uh in your preparatory research <laughs> um, 
her her tendency, which I think is tied into in many ways uh, her way of personalizing uh, or or uh, projecting familiarizing uh, the gospel stories through projecting them upon the people she's in contact with. So calling the Pope daddy, right, uh, is is it's is it's a sweet yeah. baboon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, that's, that's also not like, I don't know. I think, I think it's worth pointing out that like Il Papa also means like dad anyway. Right. <laughs> it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's perhaps not as like, um, it's the word I'm looking for. It's a affectionized form that she uses. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. As opposed to a formal, as a formal tone, but there's, there's arguments of this even right that, Abun in Aramaic that, that Jesus himself is calling Father God Daddy and not a formal word Father. Um, right. it's, it's the Our Father is is put into the familiar. It's Thou. Um, it's not in. Oh yeah. Which is an important marker. There's a familiarity with God, an intimate connection to God that anybody can use. Uh, the informal with with God that is yeah. not supposed to be. Now we by by contrast in the modern era we use thou it seems too formal right it's, right um, it's ironic it's um, what a lot of uh, uh, folk singers from the north of Europe uh, from the north of England uh, get accused of as of being like overly folksy uh, for using like thee and thou when like you know people in Barnsley use that when you're at the shops you know buying yeah. milk like it's not uh, it's it's not affectatious actually it's 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 just that people keep you know haven't stopped talking like that. When you, I think I was 16 or 17 the first time I heard Hannah the Den. It's just like, <laughs> oh, how am I doing? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> like, like there was, I understood what they were asking. It's kind of like, you know, I use howdy a lot and people immediately ask, oh, I'm doing fine. I was like, is that what I was asking? I mean, I guess that's the origin of the word. How um, do, yeah. <laughs> um, but, I think the familiarity with the Pope is interesting because it's not just like, fangirl letters uh she's she's actually has this like it seems this very close and um somewhat unusual relationship with the pope in well, terms of you know papacy right this is this is this is the the western schism is happening right um so there's there's the avignon papacy and that we can't even tell which pope is which for a little bit mm -hmm. um and just the 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 the, the misplacement of the papacy because of politics and then the French crown being like, no, we're the seat of the Holy Roman Empire now, um, right. which is neither holy nor Roman nor an empire. That's <laughs> but they did have lovely nights. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, it, she's, a, she's a fantastic figure. I, I enjoy that her feast day is at the end of April and there's kind of this, there has to be a convergence with this kind of Walpurgis knock lore, even though she's not named as such but the time of year is going that way either way mm. but it, it's still you know we the land has woken up something is different now um, um in the european temperate climates mm. so i think there's something to it it's also worthy to note that she's tuscan um and the the lore of witchcraft that comes out of tuscany is its own interesting mm. kind of um uh, sienna is in tuscany uh but yeah so the in, and the intimate connections with uh uh, who is it? Uh, Saint Anthony, I believe, right? Is the 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 oh, the co? She was made a doctor with Teresa of Avila. Mm -hmm. um, she was buried in the ISIS church, right? So Maria Sopra Minerva, even though it's called Minerva, but it's an it's an ISIS church. It's near the Pantheon. Uh -huh. um, so she's laid to rest there. They take her head back to Siena and a thumb 
which is put in a nice bust, kind of like the Mary Magdalene figure. So her, her body is there in, in um, uh, Maria Sopra Minerva, but uh, the uh, head is in Siena. Ah. The taking of the thumb is, um, is one of those, like the thumb is the primus into Paris of the fingers, right? Because it, it, it's what allows you to actually grasp. I mean, I like it. Right? They're like, we must take a digit back with us so that of course. Her, her body is, you know, that she can thumb through the pages, you know? And then, I, and then I have these weird visions of like, is she licking her thumb and like taking the makeup off of your face or like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, oh, it was Peter of Verona. That's whose feast day she interfered with uh, her death. She died on oh. a convenient day, and then they moved it back. Um, and but, the fact that you know we've probably heard of Catherine of Siena more times than we've heard of Peter, that particular Peter, anyway, is it's self testament, right? And it's it is Francis of Assisi. I'm sorry, I said Saint Anthony, but it's Francis of Assisi is the co saint of Italy. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, it's Bridget and not Teresa of Avila, but some other Teresa, uh, Benedicta, Teresa Benedicta, I think. Um, uh -huh. Bridget of Sweden is uh, the other two patrons of Europe. Ladies, little trio of ladies, mm. um, a little Madrenach there, uh, stuff going on. But, yeah, I mean that 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 has to. I think you can only understand that in terms of like a bunch of political contexts, right? There's no, there's no one crying out for like theologically that there has to be these, uh, these patron saints of Europe, right? Mm -hmm. It's interesting too, that like the, um, Catherine of Alexandria, like conflation that happens, that's not even in the record until right before Catherine of, uh, of, of Siena is born. It's like within a decade of her birth, we find the first account uh, of the mystical marriage of St. Catherine of Alexandria. Hmm. If there's no record of it being the part of the cultic practice before then. So it's already playing on something in the 14th century and the kind of rise of the golden legend and the, and the, the, the story that's going on there. Um, uh, but definitely there's uh, some tie-ins there. The mystical mm. marriage is always an interesting side of it in general, right? You're, it's the like a bridegroom waiting for the bride um, mm. uh, on the wedding night, constant thing going on. Uh, maybe it's a bride waiting for the bridegroom. Did I reverse that? I'll, I'll, <laughs> uh, genderless bride. Let's just everybody be a bride. It'll be easier. It's the reception of something going on there. Right. Right. Um, I also really yeah. love that she, again, that third order thing, I, I, I just, it's kind of like the LARPing of religious life. <laughs> you get to dress the part, you're still technically religious, but you're not clergy. Right. And you don't have, you take, there's a public ceremony, there's public affirmations, but it's, you're not held to the vows of like living behind, in, within a, in a community in the same way. Hmm. Community is spread out. So there's definitely this thing that's very like defiant, right? You know, 16 years old and she's like, screw this, um, I don't want to marry my sister's, my dead sister's husband. Um, run away and join the church. Yeah, and the but rest of the, the, the church said, no, she's not a, she's not a widow. So mm. it's, it's funny, in some ways they like, they wanted to pull the St. Rita route first of, of like, you know, no, 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 go live a horrible life and then you can become a <laughs> uh, And I haven't suffered enough. Right. Um, and she's like, you don't know how much I've starved myself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'll show you. And uh, I don't know, just she's a, she's a very interesting saint because of this, um, the, the stigmatic side of it, dressed in religious robes, even though she's not second order. You know, she has, she foreshadows in many ways um, Rose, St. Rose of Lima, mm. um, who is another one of the uh, mystical marriage saints, but yeah. far later, that's early 17th century. Um, yeah. I think uh, just the emphasis there, you know, I, I kind of breezed past it, but the, the lore that would be attached to someone being a twin whose twin has died um, within the like uh, Afro-diasporic context, this means that that twin is going to call to that person to join them on the other side consistently throughout their life and that they must in, in turn, uh, and it was a sister, it wasn't, it was, you know, I don't know if it was identical or fraternal because oftentimes those words weren't even mentioned yet. Right, um, right. They're born at the same time as all that was, you know, really the the, the Latin or the Greek. But um, that it's interesting that she then is in a spiritual marriage to a child, right? Mm. So this parallel to me there of the Abeji cult of having to carry around an image with you constantly. Well, she does. She dedicates her life to, the, to Jesus, which, okay, fine, is an adult man nailed to a cross, which she received mm-hmm. the stigmata, but it's also, it becomes a substitute sibling in many ways. Um, that the, the image of her before Mary with Jesus on Mary's lap that is so common in the art is almost like a substitute twin. Um, yeah. This immediate loss that she, that, you know, this, this vacancy that uh, metaphysically in many traditions would be put there because there's a dead twin. And right. that's fascinating to me. Um, and even in the depiction when she's, it's not as common, but it's the, the, when she's depicted with Catherine of Alexandria, again, this, this constant twinning of things, the symmetry that goes through that, mm. um, you know, one twin dead, one twin alive, one twin, yes. you know, the baby Jesus as the, as the substitute twin, um, yeah. um, which twins are a big part of, uh, Omeji. I, I think also the just in, in emphasizing the kind of translation of relics there that the translation of the relics of the head from and the thumb to uh, to Siena does parallel even Walpurga's kind of let's make a big feast day out of it because Siena becomes her you know a home base for her worship um, right. and that's her differentiation from Catherine of Alexandria um, joyous child who became an anorexic for Jesus right right. And, and thus had plenty of time to write when she wasn't eating. And dictate as well. She mm-hmm. was a, a someone grab a pen saint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would dictate to them. She did, it, was the, it was the religious life that taught her how to read, mm. um, which is common across the board, right? If you were, if you're precocious, you would be like, I'm going to go join a, an order because I want I want to know what that book says. Right. Um, but yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on, on a couple of things, but you know, I, I, translation does really speak to me of night flight. Um, there's certainly, uh, if, even if the little baby Jesus, the mystical marriage, the foreskin of Jesus had made me start thinking about like Mandrake lore and the, the mannequin. Um, and hmm. this, uh, the idea of uh, the Virgin Mary presenting baby Jesus married to him and, and having this kind of wedding night relationship speaks of the illusions of the moon um, and the romanticism of the moon mm-hmm. um, and certainly uh, the ability to to have visions where your body is in one place but you are seeing something that is not there again moon card but also night flight and even you know as we chose Isabel Gaudi there there's there's something there too that um, the the choice to to see things you know Gaudi's huge marker is that she wasn't those were not tortured confessions according to the record right and it said 
by the way, I've been with the devil and I've turned into a hare and uh, I have a coven, um, <laughs> which is a very different thing. And, and sets the ball rolling for a lot of what is romanticized about, especially neo-pagan witchcraft because of Murray's uh, incorporation of Gaudi's confessions yeah. uh, into proving that there was a pervasive secret underga- underground cult, which then you can make the square pigs fit, pegs fit the round holes pretty convincingly if, you, if it's a cheese grater. Right. Uh, so uh, that's its own thing. But um, the one that I didn't see it as much of a connection immediately to was Ashtaroth. I could, I could stretch it and be like, well, I guess if we can include Catherine of Alexandria and it's the wheel that like the Ponto Hiscalo, the queen of the seven crossroads is behind. <laughs> you know. But that was me searching for something. But mm-hmm. um, the one that's hardest for me to connect it to, because um, quartz, I mean, quartz crystals is a thumb. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out, you know, as I'm reading this, like, oh, that makes me think of these other things that I know we're going to talk about. The quartz makes you think of the thumb? Yeah. Because it's like, literally, I don't know. Am I the only person that has a bunch of quartz pieces that are the size of a thumb? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the crystals. I'm from California. You know, quartz was a big part of the 90s. Uh, <laughs> I like that you made a point. Yeah, let's 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 get into quartz then. I like that you made the point that like it um it can feel like the kind of um not exactly the redheaded stepchild, but like the vanilla uh awaiting a flavor of color or something. Yeah. That like it, it gets it gets kind of yeah, it doesn't doesn't get its own uh uh doesn't get its own uh, praises sung enough. Yeah. Has to be like a version of itself. Uh has it, to be some... it epitomizes new ageism. Mm. in that way of like wearing courts to to help focus your desire and your will and manifest things and i i don't want to one i don't want to dwell on new ageism as a as an overly negative thing it does describe a certain mentality sure. but that courts has been used consistently i mean throughout history yes but it is a, a quintessential stone especially I mean, early modern and colonial and empire-based magic Quartz is a thing. Right. You know, it, it, is, it is one of the most easily recognizable stones and its clearness, its clarity is, is magical. Mm. Um, that side of it, that it's not just like, okay, it's not something that you would have to surrender to the king in that way. Mm. It's like, it's not an emerald or a ruby or something like this. It doesn't have to be. It forms naturally in impressive crystals as opposed mm. to having to be faceted into something that would then be put in a ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that side of it capturing spirits in quartz totally a thing right you know, i mean it doesn't always have to be glued and sculpted with with um fimo or sculpey onto the edge of a gandalf staff um, <laughs> i mean you know gets or, or to be in, in how many head shops do you see like the same fimo things with like little glass cabochons and a pretty big old quartz crystal hanging down right, on some, right. Some rope that's gonna smell like armpit and you know teenage beer sweat <laughs> <laughs> and patchouli please let's be let's be fair uh no it's 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 cool to look at it as a kind of like a crystal of like oh you're into crystals what do crystals do they they do what quartz does quartz does what crystals do um if that's not too much of a uh, uh go on keep like, that's great i like that but like expand. like what the i mean it's the root as far as we can tell is the german germanic quartz which is from a polish term which is from a czech term uh, for its hardness uh by the time we get to 
uh, it being likened to an older term. The, the Greeks have it as, it's Christos, right? Uh, it's called Christos, it, uh, from Kros, meaning ice or icy cold. Uh, and so Pliny the Elder talks about quartz being um, very old ice that was permanently frozen after great lengths of time. Uh, although interestingly, the Irish word, uh, which I'm not going to try and pronounce, uh, is, is translated as sunstone. So we've got two angles on like, oh, look at this like very clear uh, stone. Does it reflect the, the light of the sun or does it reflect the, uh, the, 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 the hardness and the coldness of, of, uh, of ice and water and, and the cold? Um, so that I think is already a great start for just like how it covers a multitude of things. I mean, in, in terms of its technicality, right? Um, so many things are quartzes, right? That we wouldn't call not just, you know, uh, the, 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 the things that are, um, that are flavored, if we want to put it like that, like rose quartz or smoky quartz, but also like all agates are technically quartzes, which is like not just agate, but there's therefore also like bloodstone, carnelian, all onyx. The yeah. Right, 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 right. All the Chalcedonies. Um, also yeah. amethyst oh, and therefore. Citrine, you know. mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then looking at it's like, I don't know, it's very easy to look at uh, crystal books and feel like everything does everything. Um, and there's a kind of like, you, feel, you know, I, I often feel a little bit like cold red um, by the book about this stuff. But, you know, notions... Packed by a pre-written book. Right, right. Notions of um, clarification and retention, right? That on the one hand, it's for, quote, clearing away negative energy or, quote, dispelling negativity, right? It clarifies, it purifies, it, 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 it brings clarity. Then there's that notion more specifically that that might cover countering or protecting from deliberate uh, negative energy of, of malificia. But then that other aspect of like the concentration and retainment that's necessary to, to structure, to store, um, to, to amplify and focus as well as transmit and transform um, energy intent uh, information that's, that's, that's like loaded into it. Um, these all, these seem like, it seems like it's useful to talk about quartz before you get to any other stone, right? And certainly, I mean, there's the, the lore going around it too, because it's so obviously six-sided um, mm. in, in, its, in its determination. It's often twinned, oh, connects it to Catherine there. Mm. Um, but that uh, the sixth side of it there means that it is an embodiment of the Sabbath because it's the, uh, it's the cube. It's the, it's the days of creation, if we want to go, I'm a cube by, I mean the cube of space there reference, but yeah. that, um, that God is in the center of every quartz crystal in some way, resting because mm. the sides have been suggested there. Um, so six evokes, yes, the, the, the Morgan David, the star of David, but also just as a, as a, a perfection of creation, mm. um, in that way, it, it, it feels, um, it is one of the easiest things to tell someone or suggest to them or have them experience a vibratory thing, uh, you know, a well, pretty formed quartz crystal. Mm. Um, because of, of its shape of the prismatic quality of it. And I think that, you know, there are times like that for me, like, you know, um, Moldavite is one of the ones that is like the, the, the gimmick one of like, put this in the hand, does your hand go numb? And like, you know, for many people's it does, uh, mm. waterfall pounded rocks feel like they're vibrating in a different way than other rocks. Mm. Uh, quartz is consistently one of those ones that I think people is the like basic, um, and I, the the 
the books of the 90s would suggest you start off with a simple kind of exercise in talking to a crystal as a person, mm. uh, notions of personhood and through animistic tendencies um, and worldview. Um, because it is also the, the granddaddy, it is the, the Hagalas uh, mother rune, right? When by the time you're getting into like the runic revivals of, of the 80s and 90s, okay. but because of the six-sided. So it becomes the seed rune for all the other runes to exist in. Mm. And it, it has this, and because Hagalas is hail, I mean, you can already see it there in, in that way. Um, right. So it is the, the seed principle there. So just as the Star of David contains the elemental uh, um, sigil forms of the triangles with the lines um, and its totality is there is balance, that it also it, it, in, in some way echoes um, the Hagel Mother Rune, that it also echoes the, the cube of space in this amazing way. And then like you get to things like ghost quartz, right? Where there's like mm. one inside it still forming and like that's just its own kind of craziness there. Yeah, yeah. The, like, uh, uh, I don't know. It just makes me think of like, uh, um, I don't know, meditations around the, the presence of absence and like the fact that it doesn't have a particular like striking color to it. Um, uh, whether or not we're talking about like cloudier forms or, or clear forms, um, that it like, it, it um, again, to, 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 to frame its kind of quote vanilla-ness, right? That it, it's a, there's a, there's a blank slate quality to it in some ways. It, or it certainly seems to be treated like that sometimes. In terms of like recording and things, I, I, I didn't realize that, um, was it piezoelectric, piezoelectricity? Um, that the, one of the early uses of, of uh, this kind of uh, conductivity of quartz crystals was in phonograph pickups. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Like that the friction with a material object produces this um, electrical charge, I think. I mean, maybe I, I, physicists can correct me on that one. But that was pretty cool. I'm not going to assert my lack of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, that wasn't a module in theater school? No. Um, <laughs> Physics for poets. No. I, can, I could dance courts for you all day long, though. Aw. Uh, you say the sweetest things. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think there's uh, some wonderful... Uh, the, just the, the idea of it being, you like, the whether it's um, opalized things or quartz crystals being used for weapons, like mm. turned into weapons, uh, certainly lends well to the, like the Gandalf staff look mm. um, in that way. Is it Grangloch? Is that what I'm seeing? Is I'm try me trying to pronounce Gaelic for the first the, time? The Sunstone, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not even gonna try. Grangloch, uh, uh, I'm, I'm making it sound more Scottish. It's supposedly, I, you know, I took four years of Irish Gaelic. Um, <laughs> But uh, its its connection to uh, a, a mythical uh, stone in Aboriginal mythology. Uh, oh yeah, I started reading that and was like, "What's the basis of this?" Um, the, yeah, the uh, Magan. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but Maban, Mabang. Yeah, M A B A N. Uh, just as a kind of a, a an ore stone, you know, a source stone. Mm. Uh, which has its lore similarly in some of the uh, folk uses in Cornwall, I believe, and uh, different regions of your neck of the woods, uh, mm. of the, the land of your birth, not mm -hmm. like where you are now. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know why there was a pseudo, like, pseudo leprechaun accent on that. Um, the land of your birth. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
but uh, it was endearing. Yeah, just that, that that there's you can store things in the crystal, right? Because it does look like you can trap things in it. It's a very different thing. Um, the ideas of of crystallography that started developing, which which is what like is it? It's I think it's actually seventeenth century uh, yeah some of the very early stuff is looking at uh at quartz specifically yeah uh, this is well before like people are growing it or anything but yeah no it's 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 earlier than i expected as well and it's not till like i mean obviously like the most of the stuff isn't till the 18th and even 19th centuries but yeah people are doing people are, are, are consider it you know that that the that the, the, the the field was born yeah in the in the 17th century yeah so the the there, there are very few um hoops we have to jump through to make a direct connection between, you know, the art of drawing spirits into crystals and, um, uh, you know, um, phonograph pickups and crystal oscillators. Yeah. The, uh -huh. the, the, the notion of it being clear is also interesting in terms of scrying stuff specifically that the standard line is to call, you know, is to call one of those things a showstone, but the other word that's used very often is a barrel. And it, and, and we seem to be using that as a generic, um, term for stones it doesn't it doesn't refer to what we would call as technical barrel uh necessarily and there are quite a few uh grimoires that say one of the main features of the stone should be they, they mention its size sometimes but the main thing they mention is that it should be as as clear as possible usually and that's often framed as like you know not having cracks in it or not having like blemishes uh which again is very easy to see as um, you know, just as the as the seer and the operator must be purified, so must the the medium by which spirits can come through. That a uh, a cracked or a a disunified surface can produce can can you know the the cracks are where the devil gets in, where doubt gets in, where lies get in, and the the smoother or the 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 least blemished as possible it can be. Uh, the more likely you are to get uh, accurate, truthful, uh, honest appraisal from from the the angels and spirits that you're. No matter what you're doing, the crack is going to, or the chip is going to distort, and so you're either going to focus your attention there first, which means opportunistic things can can learn that that's where you're going to go first. Right. Or if you have this thing, it's always going to distort the image to something that's untrue. Right. Uh, and especially when we're talking about like, you know, to, to, to bang on about this again, the fact that, yes, um, there are some lovely elaborate ritual furnitures and, uh, and, and cat's cradles for putting your stone in, but also a lot of, you know, the, the records we have of 17th century practice show that people were taking their stones outside and, and putting it up to the sun and looking through it. So um, the, the, the capacities to, to magnify light and to dazzle ourselves through that thing, which seems to be the consistent feature of things being shiny or glimmering or glittering or any of those other lovely glut words. Mm -hmm. And it's so prismatic, right? So there's mm. something, if you hold it up to the sun, it's gonna make a rainbow. It literally is dissecting light for you. Right. And you see things that you can't see with the naked eye. Mm. Um, and that the lower, you know, that it brings in that kind of ephemeralness of the rainbow and what that is in, in an interesting way. Um, and I, the other thing that I remember reading was, um, because of the use in uh, electronics uh, by the 30s, that Brazil became the main source of ports, which changes the whole political climate of an entire world dependent upon Brazil. Right, so right. Again, again, incredibly, as we were talking about the other night, incredibly resource-rich uh, continent that receives none of the benefits of that. Uh, you know, who, who's the, 
open veins of Latin America again. Eduardo Galeano, yeah. Galeano, yeah, yeah. Been been very much enjoying um, reading a bit more of, of 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 his stuff. Yeah, and of course that that um, that supply line is already interrupted right by World War Two, right? Yeah, and and it's starting to grow. That everybody's like, we've got to figure out how to do this, you know, without uh, <laughs> paying the Brazilians. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so we, that, we need our stones to 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 magically do their own thing. Right, right. So the, it's a, a, a yeah. There's a there's a there's a German endeavor, right? That that grows some of the first crystals, crystal quartz. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, you know, in speaking of that kind of uh, prismatic quality, which is interesting, of holding it up to the sun and then something passes through, the light changes in some way. It uh, ev evokes the reflective quality of the moon, which you know is our mm. art. And also still there's like a, a churning in my gut of the mysteries of night flight tied into that, that, oh, that a witch is someone who leaves her body, that the, the Sabbath is not a physical place um, in the sense of it wasn't, you know, your body was still at home. And this is recognized early on in the descriptions. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. All of that lovely cult of Sabbatai stuff about like the three, about the trivia of um, uh, sleep, wake and dream being the, the root of the Sabbath. Like, uh, I will kick myself. I've been doing a bunch of research on uh, necromancy and, and related nigromancies, black magics. Um, but I, I came across a early to mid seventeenth century account uh, of which of the Sabbath, which is exactly that. Like it's 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 not uh, like uh, the the people we study, the witches we study, and the people talking about witchcraft that we study in order to to understand it for 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 us were not ignorant of these these notions of what's going on yeah you know the psychologization of it was already happening the apologetics were already there too mm. so when you go into the perennial witch trials with delanca and uh there were contemporary jesuits who were like you are deriving these under duress mm. and based on popular notions because then we can explore the 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 origin of the witch's sabbath through condemnation of and trying to land grab from Jews in southern Spain mm. to then Cathars, and it becomes a, a, a movement that goes forward. It's one of the beautiful things, and we talked about this before too, I believe, on the show, but um, it was a great mention for um, uh, Becky in her talk at the BGS on Hildegard. Why wasn't Hildegard burned as a witch or hung yeah. as a witch? Because it wasn't invented yet. There are notion of witchcraft. Of course, every culture has its access to what witchcraft is. Right. Evolution of it as a political crime, as this meeting the Sabbath and things like this. A lot of that still is lore that has yet to be developed as to what that is. So right, right, right. You still have you still have maleficia. You may not have it as a political category. You still have the notion of like you can do harm with magic, but witch as a category beyond the very both general and specific um, you know wielder of maleficia. Uh, doesn't re you know all of this stuff around um, night flight or or any of these other feature uh, you know witches marks um, or or, or uh, even rebaptism or any like inversion of um, good pious ritual like all of that is a lot later like the, the coherence of it each of those things like the you know like the printing press each of those um, moving parts was available well beforehand but the putting them together under a single banner of the figure of the witch, yeah, is 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 a lot later than 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 our girl Hildegard. And certainly, like the like, like why night flight? Like, okay, we we have the reference to dream, obviously, mm. so that there's this time. But the average person is spending their day laboring. 
making sure that there's food in a productive environment. So we can talk about um, the, the fireside magic of like spinning so that there's still trance states that are accessible through, through spinning, which is mm -hmm. a notorious thing. But you don't go into trance cooking the same way because you're gonna right. burn food. Right. Uh, you might stare at the fire, but that's not the same thing. That's something we reserve for, for the elders that can afford to sit there and keep warm and everybody else is moving around them in that way. Yeah. And certainly the, the idea even that the fireplace is, the soot itself, the ingredients of the fireplace, which has all the fats and everything there, that this is such a, a prominent lore in, around the world, of course, because it's the heart, it's the, the, the heart of the home. But mm -hmm. it, the soot itself becomes an ingredient in the ointments, which is its own magic we can talk about another time. But the concept of the ointment tied into night fight, the thing that launches you into this out-of-body experience, which is not quite the same. Night flight is more often spoken about by an ointment going onto the person than the person perhaps astrally projecting by choice. Mm. It's not, there is this, uh, it, there are accounts of both, but it, especially now in the romanticism of it, um, it is tied into a, a choice to put the ointment on or a request or a prescription to put the ointment on and meet at the Sabbath. Right. Um, is non-physical. Um, that the people appear as if they're asleep um, while they're at the Sabbath. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the is, it, they don't notice or that the, there are accounts that sound like everyone is kind of, sleepwalking in their own kind of private sabbat to an extent mm -hmm. which then gets expanded upon that you, they've been replaced by a demon to make mm -hmm. sure that everybody looks like they're still like good christians in their beds um well that's the uh, that's the aspect that interests me is it, well, not that this, that this other stuff doesn't but like that's that's what i wanted to to raise and i don't want to sound too like i'm producing a political psychologized model but the the consistent refrain of men who don't know that their wives are doing this um, is, is kind of the focus of a lot of the, seems to be a focus of a lot of the demonologists and heresiographers and like witch trial and witchcraft writers that, you know, this, this, th this seems like um, a fundamental absurdism that's being emphasized by, you know, saying like, oh, they can't even tell um, that this is actually a broom or this is actually a, What's it the 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 the, the three-legged stool that's in the bed that they think is their wife, um, and there seems a kind of like cuckold adjacent worry here that like um, that the that the that the the worst part of it is that it's going on under our noses and we don't know. Not to frame this like to frame this outside of like what it means to be a witch and to do this stuff. Like what does what does night flight mean to someone who doesn't consider themselves a witch, but utterly believes in witchcraft and certainly the overlap with you know uh fairy lore and fairy abduction right right the changeling child is there's still a child there it's believed to be replaced with a fairy version or yeah. a demon version by what, whatever the expansion is there but in yeah. a similar way it appears there's something there and the real thing is somewhere else the spirit of the thing is somewhere else experiencing something different mm -hmm. and, you know what it is to be a witch is its own you know, lifetime of, of uh, argument there in, in an interesting way. And I, you know, I, I'm fascinated by um, the, the different groups that feel that they own that term uh, <laughs> as it is. Uh, certainly uh, the, the, the combating of the huge, um, and I, I, you know, it's a, it's a favorite word of mine, but the huge colonization of the rest of the world that, that, that 
Anglo-American use of the term witch has done, mm. um, uh, both in a uh, the the complaint against the uh, Christian, uh, especially Protestant Christian traditions um, in America, um, with a memory of blaming Catholic Christian traditions for it. <laughs> but uh, that 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 is there's this kind of oppressor to fight there. But then also the side of it of not recognizing that when you define it as this is the thing that you're not going to incorporate what other cultures might think of their their witches that a witch is not always a human and right. intrinsically tied to uh western european concepts of witchcraft now especially in the modern era uh that a witch is a person a human mm. not a spirit that is causing harm whereas the term witch as it's translated in other places can very well mean something that is not human a supernatural creature right. and, um but the definition of a witch is somebody that that a definition let me make sure that article is in there yeah. um uh, a definition of a witch as a person who leaves their body um that concept of what night flight is is fascinating to me that it, it's it's a voluntary choice um or at least you know your grandma takes you out of bed and, and smothers you with with magic ointment and you go to the sabbath with her um mm. uh, is its own thing uh or that if you see the women undressing by the fireplace um, is it something about the fireplace or is it the fact that it's warm? You know, the fact that we did the right. the, 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 the two-part night sleep was so common still during this time period. I was going to say that too, that like there's an opportunity for you to witness this stuff as well. So it's not just who's sneaking around at night. It's also the the period where a lot of people are sleeping for a certain period, then getting up at night and doing a bunch of things. So and some it, people are starting a few chores. So it's not uncommon for your wife not to go back to bed with you. Right. Or your husband to not be, you know, they, there, there doesn't need to be this thing of like, let's go back upstairs, honey. Um, you mm -hmm. know, they're, they're, I'm just going to get this started for tomorrow. So the suspicions right. of what are they doing and who's there and I heard a voice and all these things, hmm. you know, combined with this, the normal things that we talk about, like ergotism and, you know, uh, other poisonings and, and malnourishments that can happen that can induce vision, you know, be a holy anorexic. You can make yourself think that you're going to the night flight in a different way. You know, it's just, right. it's just night rave instead. Um, the, the the notion of uh or the detail of taking clothes off uh, obviously makes sense in terms of slathering with uh ointments and, and and so forth and and the you know being sky clad maybe as well uh or or, or you know alternatively that there's some reference to the adamite heresy there the do, do you i'd be interested to hear what you had to reflect on in relation to shape-shifting and, um, and, 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 and skin leaping and things like that yeah. as well. Well, the turn skin itself, so if the body leaves, if the spirit leaves the body, then first off, we're inhibiting the body as little, little as possible mm. um, and not weighing it down. But there's also something interesting, right, that you're preparing to leave the body by le first off leaving your clothes. It's this wonderful thing of like setting things in motion, that kind of easy hypnotic thing of like, it's hard to get out of bed, but if you tell yourself to move your pinky, it gives you something to move forward with, which is um, mm. uh, Ericksonian in that way. But right. if, you know, if we start to take, if we start by taking off the clothes, that there's something already being taken off. So taking off the body is the logical next step. Just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Going. Um, the, the serpent must shed its skin. Um, uh, at least the way that I, I, I romanticize it in that way. Uh, certainly the, the differences of what goes into that and the descriptions of those things like are, is it a poison how do you know how do we know what the right amount to use all those different considerations that's flying ointments and that's a, that's a separate category and you know yeah. um, of course pay attention to legality and you know all of you brave psychonauts out there um <laughs> uh, legally we neither condone nor um 
condemn such practices. It's all on you. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, give me some bare fat or lard induced uh, or lard imbued uh, ointments there and, and have at it. Um, I think the conflation with these practices, we get certainly get a different exposure when we start getting into new world colonial accounts um, because the witch trials also change heavily um, when they get to the new world, right? Yeah. So like, because of the administration of the courts being so many hundreds of miles away, um, you know, simple love charms was not enough to get someone condemned. They right. were just like, please stop sending me those letters. I don't care that she's helping people get married. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was like, send me the people that are killing people. Like that's mm -hmm. it. And just think of like, oh, we're still dealing with this. Like we, we can't get fresh water and I'm supposed to sit here and read this letter about someone getting upset that someone <laughs> you know, and still speaks the native language. Right. Um, which, which again highlights that the things that uh, bother authority are the magics that challenge authority. You know, not to, not to sound too obvious about it, but like, um, that's, you know, that's kind of always been the case with, with, with love magic, right? Um, you know, we're a lot less fussed, the authorities are a lot less fussed about that love magic that can um, shore up the authority of a, of a patriarch of a home, right? That ensures that a, a woman does not wander or embarrass her husband and a, a village. Um, but the minute it's used for, um, you know, uh, making the, the young Lord fall in love with the, uh, uh, the penniless uh, pauper, then we, we have issues because we're, we're crossing class lines at that point. And with, with, with primogeniture being what it is, um, you know, who you marry and the kids you have is very much informs whether or not your, you know, your, your family wealth is going to continue or not. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're interfering with the Kwisatz Sadarak. Uh, probably. <laughs> um, you thought only of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you loved him too. Much. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of loving little things like that too much, uh, Mandrake has its own tie-in, obviously here, but the the concept of um, love apples and mm. the the Mandrake um, was Hildegard's big thing that it, it's a cure for depression. Um, it was like, you know, if you take any psychoactive substance enough and you die from it, it's definitely a cure for depression. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dry um, those tears. <laughs> this one weird trick. Um, and of course, there's, you know, the, the biblical thing of, of songs, mentioned in Song of Solomon, it's Jacob to Leah. Um, uh, Rachel trades Jacob uh, to Leah for Mandrake's right, and it's, he has to spend even longer uh, laboring to, to, to do things. Uh, to to get the, his second wife that he actually liked, he got stuck with the cow-eyed wife first. Cow-eyed is such a lovely term. It's beautiful, um, so evocative. Yeah, um, but that uh, Mandrake and it's 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 the obsession with the human form, anything that looks like a human. We are programmed to recognize faces and things, of course. Yeah, um, pareidolia, but, right? Yeah, and uh, to recognize the human form already has this thing. Certainly. Um, if, it, if something is bifurcated and then has a little thing growing out at the fork of that, it immediately evokes phallic nature. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, this is, and the reception of those things, the interplay there. So any plant that has this type of root, you know, for me, I was fascinated, still am for years of the kind of parallels and uh, subtle differences between uh, similar things like the man root of the Americas, ginseng, um, mm -hmm. and specifically white ginseng, uh, red ginseng is Asian. But the, the lore about that access to the dream world, that it runs from you, that it, that, it, that it has a family of roots that grow out of this thing. And 
Mandrake itself has its extensive lore of uh, just its relationship to uh, to ferrous materials uh, of of blood as well as metal and what what those things do to it that doesn't need to be harvested with metal does it not need to be harvested with metal right. um, you tie the black dog to it um, hello Agrippa um, <laughs> but you know that they grow best uh, underneath the gallows where the semen of a, of of hung men yeah that terminal seed thing that uh that that uh you know uh, bill burroughs is uh is so uh, fascinated with is yeah is, is another layer of like um not just phallic but explicitly kind of um seminal kind of mysteries there and i enjoy it you know in, in our discussion of spirits or lesser uh deity little little demigods that are born from larger god experiences Mm. And that the mannequin is, or that the mandrake is formed as a mannequin from the clay that Adam was also formed from. So it did not have the same breath of God put into it, but the clay that Adam was formed from also brings out the little little mandrake. Ah, we're cousins. Yes. So distant it, cousins. Affinity in that way, or that um, uh, Hildegard specifically names it as hot and dry, which I, is an interesting side of it. Um, it is incredibly warming, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, my fair share of mandrake in life. Um, uh, yeah, it's just, just there's now there's a lot of everybody has their opinions about like balancing out that um, the and Hildegard certainly recommends uh, if uh, a man can't control uh, the their heat that they should take the female route, and if a woman can't control her heat that she take the male route. There's already this. And that's that's where, yeah, humorally speaking, it often gets called phlegmatic. Um, I think Culpepper calls it that. But I think that's that's for its, um, yeah, that's for its use in in um, adapting or suppressing heat rather than it being itself cooling. If there's a distinction that can be made there. Um, or something with Hannibal too. Hannibal like gave a bunch of mandrake wine, left it behind, and came back because people were, you know, bombed from it um, <laughs> okay. yeah well i mean that uh that 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 hits pretty neatly into the thing that gian batista della porta says about it which is that it's it's terribly fun to spike your friends at a party with it um he says <laughs> i put I, I found the quote because I, I i feel like i've referenced that before he says when you would use it give it to somebody to drink and whoever shall taste it after a deep sleep will be distracted and for a day shall rave but after some sleep will return to his senses again without any harm and it is very pleasant to behold <laughs> like, um i remember uh one of the pharmaco books i can't remember which one it is maybe it's it's not puya it's either gnosis or dynamis uh it's probably gnosis um pendle yeah, yeah uh, pendle drops this like elephant bomb at the end of the mandrake entry um which is that elephants are said to eat it when they want to copulate. The female eats it and then offers the the kind of right overripe ones to the male. Have you ever seen elephants have sex? That's some strange. That's like that's a whole world moving thing there. It takes but, yeah. Like, it, 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 oh, under a minute <laughs> uh, because there's so many muscles that massage the the male that he ejaculates very quickly. But also you know it's a penis that's bigger than an average um, adult man. Yeah. But it's just an interesting thing that like uh, the the notion of it being love apples and this this connection to it's it's not um, it is said to be an aphrodisiac, but uh, you don't read as much lore necessarily talking about it causing erections so much mm. as amorous warmth all over the body and mm. a desire for people, which then has its own per results in that way. Um, 
but uh, that elephant bomb is, is I always remember it of like, what, it's a strange thing. It's like bears and aspirin. Did we learn to eat mandrake from watching elephants? Mm. Um, the way that we learned about aspirin from bears, watch, you know, chewing on, on willow bark. Mm. Um, I don't know. But uh, certainly the idea of being a holy anorexic and the only thing that you eat is mandrake uh, is its own uh, wonderful thing. You know, the, the idea of just eating communion also from a sorceress side for the, the kind of Hispanic thing of, uh, of cursing someone when the host is in your mouth comes to mind, or like that, that when you have God in you and you're in a purified state and you bring communion into your mouth, the, the words you speak manifest as if God is saying them. That, that the words right, you've got the, you've got the stem cells of Jesus in you. Yeah, so you breathe your magic into it. Like the holy anorexics are the, are the ones that can do anything because there's nothing impure in them right then. Right. Uh, not condoning it, but the, the idea that it interferes with your cycle and therefore the stain of Eve goes away mm. by many to be a su in support of it. Why it would be a high in addition to the vision causing indu in, uh, inducing vision side of it. Um, but well, it also fits from a, from a uh, ser soteriological perspective. I mean, like sin and less, less salvation in, in, in an eschatological context, but more just, yeah, if, if, if bleeding is seen as like you say, the, the, you know, if menstruation is a, is a curse that women must atone for and this form of atonement, uh, you know, extreme fasting produces, you know, uh, an end to that, then it would seem to be a bodily evident, evident, uh, cure, right? A, 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 a penance served. So even the notion that Catherine Siena transmutes her, uh, menstrual cycle into stigmata through fasting. Right. That, that, there, that it, it, it trans, there's a, a transubstantiation of her own blood because there's all this emphasis on bathing in Christ's blood. I mean, it is like, it is like, um, do you, are you familiar with that very uh, American power in the blood song? Um, I don't think so. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would Sweet. Victory over evil win. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power. It's just, it's one of those things of like, in the blood of the lamb. It's just these, these, these uh, very American hymns mm -hmm. that are just like, bathe in the blood, bathe in the blood, bathe in the blood. Sweet. Um, that are its own kind of uh, extremely mystical, um, horrific sounding to the outsider. <laughs> that side of it that when you're, you know, when, when you're the fish and you don't realize you're in water yet, yeah. uh, it's certainly like, well, I don't know what those other religions are thinking, but like, I'm fine with eating Jesus once a week. Um, <laughs> and uh, certainly it's been mentioned so many times in different Protestant uh, attacks upon the, the mysteries of transubstantiation is like the, the absurdity of saying that that's Jesus in that way. Um, but only and, sometimes. But only sometimes. And certainly the, the it, you guys did it so much more interestingly, the Anglican Episcopalian divide there that it, it's accessible to all that attend mass. It, it's, it's not, it's not uniful, uh, unif unified in that belief. It's up to each person, but they do not have to turn someone away because they are not Christian or because they're not Anglican. Whereas the Catholics, we capitalized on the, the exclusivity, right? Mm -hmm. if you, you could steal the host, but we now, I remember distinctly being told in CCD that if you weren't Catholic and you hadn't received First Communion, that the wafer went back to being a wafer. Right, you got, you got uh, theft devices cooked in. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's where, I don't know when we got that because it definitely in the middle ages and the early modern period, like that to steal the, the, the host, yeah. was like, it didn't matter what you did. You, you could, you could use it. It didn't suddenly stop being Jesus. Um, There's an interesting take there that like you have to be prepared for the ritual as well as the ritual has to be prepared for you. 
right? You have to have experienced a change. You have to have gone through a thing that marks you as different at the end of it. You know, you have to be part of the communion of the saints. Oh, what's that? What's that lovely quote? Um, if you don't see Jesus in the beggar at the door, you won't see him in the in the cup of wine. Mm. Um, beautiful sentiment, even there. But I think that's very uh, Franciscan. Like you know, preach the gospel at all times, but when necessary, use words. Yeah. Um, One I, of the fe- to, to return briefly to menstruation again, but a bump. The there is a notion that's kind of latent in a lot of pre-modern European humoral theory based off this like fundamental, this notion of like the fundamental evil of, uh, of menstruation that, that, and it's kind of a counter to it, but it's used to justify it in that kind of paradoxical way that a lot of aspects of the massive ideas that are kind of homogenized into being called a single humoral theory are, are kind of shoved that this is a, um, that menstruation is a natural phlebotomy, right? Uh, which is, which, you know, some authors even say like, oh, does this mean that women are naturally purer? No, it means that their evil bodies require them to do this just to get to normal, right? Um, you know, building life is really fucking hard. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, if, if you had the, the creation of the world and the destruction of the world happening inside you monthly, you might need to, to purge some of that. Um, you know, I, this is something that comes up in uh, discussions of of the the roles the gendered roles in many traditional uh religions uh daffo diasporic traditions um the wearing of skirts for for those that menstruate um and the discussion of heat um it's something that we've talked about and uh, mm-hmm. i've talked about a lot with my godmother over the years of the notion of uh the womb that that bleeds as being the the actual marker of what's being discussed um for for dress codes and a lot of things Mm-hmm. Um, but the the spin that it gets in this um, horrible um, if anybody has uh, interest in really blowing their minds on uh, feminist theory and its lack of universality outside the Western uh, worldview, um, the invention of women is a fantastic book that is written by a Yoruba. Uh, she's technically royalty, I believe, from a royal family. Um, but she went to Berkeley and uh, got in, in, interested in, in queer and feminist theory and went back to Nigeria to try and analyze um, Nigerian culture through this Western feminist lens. And she realized she was horribly changing her data to fit the lens she wanted to view it through. And that she realized that um, Nigeria's history pre-colonization the language itself is dealing with a non-biological determinist idea of gender and sex, where the West, from its from its European origins, is dealing with biological determinism that that men are inherently better than than women, um, and that race plays into the golden chain theory and everything going there, domesticization through taming of, of animals and everything uh, through through wild sorry domesticization and taming being the same thing, there. Um, but that uh, looking at that idea of um, even translating the word king was a fascinating thing that the, 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 the word king can imply male or female. So when uh, the Yoruba were exposed and asked to, to name their kings and they said, oh, that's the male rulers in charge. They named the male rulers, but they left out all the female because the person asking had just told them that they wanted the male rulers. Right. But we, we are losing gaps of history because of the way that information is being demanded because it's hard to understand the, the, what's being asked for. 
Um, so the, the, the understanding of, um, I think the artwork on the cover of the invention of women is who's the most liberated of them all. Um, it's a woman looking in a mirror. Um, and, and it's, a, it's, it's trying to complicate our notions of um, how we view at other cultures and impose upon them through the liberated um, uh, mindset of, of our academic uh, ideologies. Um, uh, yeah. Um, but all that tied in there, uh, the idea with menstruation there that, that comes up of um, women have their own uh, access to something that men never will. And there are cultures that ritually will uh, demand that the man cut themselves in order to catch up with the women. Right. And you see this in some, I believe, Altaic cultures, uh, certainly pre-Indo-European, uh, European cultures seem to have this, this notion there. Um, uh, and that's fascinating to me uh, that, that we're talking about a very different understanding of this, that it's, that's a whole other thing. Um, there's so many people that I would bring on the show to like listen to them talk about that. Um, <laughs> uh, just notions of this and what it, identity and, and gender and sex and, and uh, different waves of feminism and things that have to be obliterated in order to actually um, invite discussion as opposed to project uh, theory. Um, yes, that's, and, a, that's a lovely distinction. Um, but, uh, okay, so the other thing that it, it brings into this, this idea of the Eucharist as the food for the holy anorexics, the Eucharist, when we look at like St. Clara of Assisi, whose icon uh, is used to represent lunar powers in New World syncretism a lot. Hmm. That, that um, because the host in the monstrance looks like the moon, it's white. It can look like the sun too, but it, uh, for St. Clair specifically of the holy anorexic and the, the reliance on the host this, this thing that is predictable, but only gives us nourishment a little bit, which is totally lunar in that sense, right? That we're waxing and waning. There's a, there's a light that will go away, which is of course a dying in a resurrection there is ready. I understand that, that it parallels the sun as well, but I think there's an intrinsic thing um, throughout Christian mysticism to bring the, the Marian and the female aspect to tie it into the moon. Yeah. Uh, and uh I think that lunary silvering does have a certain kind of notion of like the style is the substance. Yeah. To and an extent. Even, even the universality of that too. Like we, we can always play with that, but it's one of the holes in early modern neo-paganism where like, if you're, if you're pulling out myths that are, that are Celtic where the sun is female and the moon is male or, or other European cultures where it's, it's the both, both luminaries are female. Um, mm -hmm. you're, you have Greco-Roman mythology coming in where it's distinctly male, sun, female, moon. Um, yeah. It changes the, the dynamic of things when you start combining all these things, especially in a polarized uh, neo-paganism as it developed. Um, fertility and sex, yay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still going to go back to uh, a humoralism in terms of like the moon card is still associated with uh, Pisces. It's still a fundamentally phlegmatic uh, sign. It's still about hope and fear and the projection of um a passion that that can't be present because if it was present it wouldn't be fear it would be pain or or can't be hope because if it, if the hope is present then it's not hope anymore it's just the joy or the delight of the thing um so there's a an, an, a necessary imaginative element to all that phlegmatism yeah because i mean the, the crayfish is sitting there at the bottom of the card wedged between the two towers which is totally wonderfully um, Freaking the sphinxes in uh, Never Ending Story to me since I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> those darn little yods 
that are that are coming off. Also, I really like the moon card because uh, uh, in my obsession with Odu and there being 16, it's a 16 based moon, right? There's 16 major rays and 16 minor mm -hmm. rays. So it actually mm -hmm. echoes like a, a feng shui compass of Odu. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> in that way, which is a rare thing because you don't usually see 16 done. You see the 14 star, the 14 pointed star of Bethlehem and things like this. But mm. most of them are going to be four, five, six, seven. Um, the, you know, the, the eight pointed star is less fascinating. Um, and a nonogram is just hard to draw. Um, Super hard to draw. But uh, also I find it the, the idea that the, the yod, uh, the, the flaming yods, the little yellow yods that are coming between the towers, um, are numbered at 15, but I always look at the, the way the road is between right by the wolf's throat, another yud, mm -hmm. um, or, or a bone, um, to, uh, <laughs> used to be fed, fed to the doggy. Um, but yeah, the moon is, is I, also the contrast between, um, this is often one of the cards that's described in the study of Lenormand uh, cardomancy as being like so importantly different. Um, oh, okay. Meanings. But here's the thing, I mean, like, meanings, meanings with the tarot, like, there's established meanings, but there's so many schools of thought, and just because Rider Waite and then the Thought Deck have their own ideas about what those are, mm. like, it's very hard to, to, we don't need to necessarily demand that everyone see tarot the same way, no. um, but nothing, you know, you're not going to get struck with lightning, nothing's going to come down. <laughs> but the, the, the crayfish itself is pretty damn old. It's definitely a Marseille uh, image there, the, the towers, um, the two pups doing that. The, the moon always looks less than pleased in the moon. <laughs> right. Um, even slightly perturbed and angry in the rider weight uh, mm -hmm. uh, in that way. Um, yeah. Any other further thoughts on the, the moon card? On the moon, yeah, I mean, it 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 brings to mind uh, again that notion of you know the the that it is the whiteness, right? That it's Lavana, Lavana, um, that we need a dark night to be able ties to. to all this wonderfully there. Say again. Which ties to all this wonderfully there. Yeah, 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 yeah. and that it's uh, uh, that the, there's a there's a calm whiteness. Uh, to contrast against the, not just the darkness that is the unknown, but the darkness that is a confusing unknown. Um, not just confused, but confusing that like to wander through it is to embrace more confusion in that darkness. And that this fickle and fading uh, alacritous whiteness is, is, this, uh, is a guide, but is also a trickster. Um, yeah, I, I, that, that stuff fascinates me. The, the, the mysteries of night that are present there um, are really interesting to me. And I, you know, even if it is slightly sort of, um, <laughs> I've been thinking about Crowley as like Joe Rogan before Joe Rogan. Like it's like his, I love that quote uh, for the moon about like, um, what is it? Whatever horrors afflict us or um, uh, terrors that assail the mind or abominations that, um, uh, that, that make us low, that, that excite the loathing of the heart. That's the line. The, the, the answer is the same. How splendid the adventure. There's something a little bit like, uh, there's something a little bit of a macho psychologist about that. Like, I'm going to, how much, how much can you bench in therapy kind of thing? Like, oh, I'm going to like treat it all as like how great the adventure. But also that's not like a terrible attitude to take, I don't think necessarily. Um, uh, it doesn't mean that we have to like, you know, 
um, which 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 Libra is it where he's recommending cutting yourself with a straight razor when you use uh, you know um, uh, particular vowels? Uh, is it Ugolum maybe? Um, thalamites uh, get at me. Um, but no, that that notion of like yeah, relooking at the dark night of the soul and what that you know what that might actually mean, and um, not just the the St. John of the Cross poem, but like also the, the, the older bases of the idea of um, an unknowable path, right? It's not just, um, doesn't just lack illumination. It's, it's fundamentally a little bit unknowable. The obscure night, right? The obscure noche. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. And then again, uh, that, that poem has the, the, the line in looking at it again about fevered with love's ang- with with love's anxiety right this this again to me is incredibly phlegmatic right that um all of those lovely features of anxiety is a waste of imagination right it births these beautiful monsters of exactly how bad things could go exactly how much people secretly hate you um <laughs> it's it's incredibly imaginative uh, uh it, it, it's it's it but it you know um we can also use that imagination to, to make th- you know, to, to build things that make us feel good and, and more able to be in the world, not less. Yeah. The, you know, the, the Thoth deck is also interesting in its interpretation of the moon card, just uh, in changing the, the wolf and the dog to, to set an Anubis mm. um, and relying on Kof and the, you know, the, the idea of the, I don't know, the reptile brain that's in the back of the head there. Right, right. So, like the needs being taken care of, but the, the 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 moon invites an illusion in that's very different. And to go between the the psychopomp and the enemy um, is is such an interesting side. And and definitely carrying um, the the mercurial and the the Neptune uh, in their hands um, instead of the the Ankh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Neptune's side, of course, you know, with, with modern astrology of being the associate with Pisces there too, um, is, is there and the, the tying of the two figures, I'm sure, and all of these wonderful things. I also remember the, being fascinated when I first read about the, the specifics, uh, uh, EKG, are, but, but, but the brain, right? The, the waves that are represented by the waves on the top card of, of, of mm. states of consciousness um, that are or echoing or things like that. And uh, I should have done more research to be like, oh, it's specifically this thing, or that's a myth. Um, mm. That it is said to, like, I, I see people talking about the waves, but also the, the very specific uh, patterns of it are supposed to represent some type of uh, deeper level consciousness that's going on there. Oh, um, interesting. And the, the, the peaks and the valleys there. And it's also the progression from the, the star to the moon is such an interesting uh, yeah. Journey in 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 all the decks when we approach it. What is the card before it and what is the card after it? But I right. do that one of the masterful things of the the thought deck in the uh, the major arcana is just this this very obvious like something is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the moving from the the spirituality of the the star and the guiding light there to something now the 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 moon still obscures the stars. Um, it's still brighter than the stars. You don't see the stars that are directly around the moon. Mm. Um, it, 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 it takes more prominence than the sky. Um, and to the point where we think the moon is huge in the sky and it's actually very tiny still. <laughs> we, we, our, our head makes it bigger in our memory. In our right. Um, right. Closer, to, closer to the earth, it looks bigger. Yeah. But even so, you can still blot it out from your thumb. 
Mm -hmm. And if you think about the magnet, it's uh, you. We come across this when you try to take a photo of it on your camera, mm -hmm. on your phone. <laughs> you're like, why is so tiny? And oh, exercise and disappointment. Like, yeah. yeah, you think it's the size of you know, it's taking up half the sky. Right. But there's something, something there. Um, the the moon seems to uh, the moon card does seem to have its uh, deceptive qualities associated with it, or. Um, that there's an illusion going on, that things are not what they seem. Mm. Uh, and that uh, uh, definitely uh, brings up shadow self. And for those of us that, you know, embrace trickster as a, a part of our, our magical workings, um, there's confronting the, the hidden self here, um, giving it uh, expression, uh, even allowing it to uh, take on an identity that you can interact with, you know, the kind of feeding your demons mentality. There's something born here in the moon, the moon that digests things, the moon that that receives the souls of the dead and then distributes them to the world of the dead. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And that it's that um, it's that doorway and also the messenger of everyone else, right? That that there's um yeah, gosh, uh, that it's the it's the it's the porthole through which souls do metempsychosis, but it's also the place where they live. Uh, that it's 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 a door and a land in of itself. Um, it's also you know the 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 messenger between the other stars and that carries the the rays of their light, right? Um, you know I think it with the with the with the very strong uh, proviso that you know comparing Yoruban deities to planets is obviously a fool's errand. Uh, or, 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 and certainly trying to do that in any typological way. The, the, the references that are made to um, Eshu and Ilegua-like forces as, uh, you know, inherently mercurial in those lazy colonialist uh, endeavors because it's, because, you know, oh, intermediary, because um, uh, the messenger, uh, because the, even the opener of the way, but it's, it's, it's the moon in, in, in a lot of, uh, you know, what's going to get called quote, quote, Western astrology that usually isn't uh, that's carrying things and opening the way for other uh, planets to do their thing, right? Moving across the sky. So alacritously. Some lunar spirits. What we mm. do, right. That, that it's the, it's the closest uh, onion layer to earth. Right. And even the, the idea that when the moon is in conjunction with a star, a fixed star, that this is a time to work it. Mm. Um, because it's it's amplifying the the rays and administering that through the moon's own light, yeah. which a very different thing than waiting for it to you know speaking as you know fixed star stuff of waiting for a um, uh, one of the Beheni to to al align with the planet conjunctions as Agrippa proposes, right. or putting it on the rising um, or the midheaven or these different practices that people use. But there are many folk traditions of using the moon conjunction with the moon specifically to do this. Right. Um, uh the uh that quality of the way it like flips light as well from and maybe this is an inheritance of you know having bashed my head against hermetic kabbalah and its notions of like calf and cough but like <laughs> the, the light there isn't the light that like makes clear like the light of the sun it's the light that silvers and you know renders that um that quicksand to look like a beautiful meadow right? It's the, it's light that changes what something looks like. We have to have light to have optical illusions. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, um, 
which isn't necessarily to say like it's it's just deceiving but there is a there is another perspective and as it moves so quickly we're going to see a bunch of those perspectives as it arcs across the sky each night the alternative versions of the moon card too are quite interesting right you get everything from the kind of uh, midsummer night's dream representation of the moon of like the man carrying uh sticks and the the, the lantern um to uh the the distaff bearing woman who's oh, cool. spinning um under the moon and and there's um this is a Flemish, Belgian, and French decks that sometimes have this woman sitting by a tree or by a chimney, um, something tall and vertical, which we just talked about, like the household crafts of spinning as trance-inducing. But I love it when it's when the tree becomes a chimney, um, that the ta- mm. like when the, when the blasted tree, the lightning-struck tree, becomes the tower, um, mm-hmm. and this kind of things that that we can travel up and through the the, the portal, the skyhole, the Pleiades, the moon disk. How do we access the higher um, worlds um, yeah. is, is fascinating there, but you know, hidden enemies and, and um, error and darkness and even, even the understanding that um, the moon as the, the deity of death in so many cultures um, mm-hmm. in, in the sun being the deity of life um, or is, is fascinating in that way. Oh, have you seen um uh, is it Kubo and the Two Strings? Kujo, Kubo, uh, the animated movie? I have not yet. It is on my should watch this. Ah, so good. Such a great, um, I don't want to spoiler it for you, but like phenomenal uh, lunar grandfather antagonist god uh-huh. um, who, who just wants everyone to return to the eternal whiteness of a perfect calm uh, heaven where nothing happens. Like, why would you be, why, why, why are you so obsessed with this place that it like makes you so upset and hurts you so much? Uh, why can't you just come back to like the, the white room of nothingness? Mm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There's some, there's some, um, yeah. Uh, th- there's, there's a little bit of like, uh, Grandfather Obatala, the, the the villain there, um, that it made me think of, and also just like a beautiful film in terms of, um, you know, uh, the the stuff about like ancestor, um, not just veneration, but like the journey of um, working more closely with your ancestors uh, and what that provides. Too in the little the little yods that fall from the moon and the reflection in the water that reminds me too of like feeding blood to the mandrake, the reflection of yourself in the soil. And dragon beneath your feet, and the feeding of seminal fluid, or 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 menses, or um, blood of the veins, mm. um, in that way. That the temperamental, uh, the temperamental nature of, of of actual drakes as well, right? I mean, I've, I've I've encountered the 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 ones that you've grown for for a good while, um, and certainly talking to other people, that that phenomenon of like. I thought they died. I was sure they died. The, the, like all the leaves fell off. They looked very, very, very dead. And then one day they just like started growing again, mm-hmm. which is not the same as like a, a dormitude. Is that the word for it? It's, it's not going dormant or hibernating. It's, it just seems to be. I like using the dormition, kind of like the Virgin Mary when she transitions into her heavenly state. Right. There we go. But yeah, I had a, I had a dried root that was given to me and I put it in a glass test tube um, and 20 years ago probably at this point 
and three years later, I mean, it was dried. It mm -hmm. grew a single flower <laughs> because the humidity in the test tube, I guess, made it enough that part of it came back to life. Glorious. So it's its own, there's something very interesting about that. I also like that in much of the the lore around Mandrake and 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 certainly uh, Shulky starts to kind of hint at this, that, you know, fumigating the tools that are necessary in order to dig Mandrake up, you fumigate, you still fumigate with Mandrake itself. Um, so there's this kind of like, you have to <laughs> get some. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of that and just the, the transference of the scream and certainly, I mean, like Harry Potter Mandrakes are adorable. Um, so, and uh, we've had a lot of experimentation, not only with the living ones, but you know the the, the sculpting of idols that the Troy has done for the store, yeah, um, just uh, in in life size, baby size, but understanding the the eidolon as its own thing that we are carving the mandrake, and of course you can use briny, but the the the, the roots were often carved. They don't just naturally always look like human. The right, right. A, a man, a mandrake is a is a root that looks like a man, and therefore it's not cheating to take a, a another kind of root and 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 train it or carve it uh, necessarily. This this difference between yeah, I was discussing this with um oh with uh, with with uh, our good friend Professor Charles Porterfield about the um the the use of a black cat in certain um, crossroads rights. Mm -hmm. And that there is a tradition of like, on the one hand, it says that the cat shouldn't have a single white hair on it. Uh, but there is a tradition of like, if you can't find an entirely black cat, that you can shoe polish it. And that this isn't seen as cheating. You're fulfilling the letter of the, of the law yes. that like it, it, it you know, it, it, it said a black cat. It didn't say a cat born black. Um, and, and that there's a certain level of, but that's not the same as just cheating of, of just saying, um, cat i named thee black yeah yeah i know you're a big fan of that like uh on the fly baptism thing uh and i, and I understand it has its own power that like we we label it such and I we call it such with everything i say it all works out <laughs> <laughs> it's very consistent very consistent no one argues me like i argue me uh, <laughs> but yeah uh that's um yeah that, that that was that was something i wanted to get at was like yeah a mandrake is, is a root that looks like a person and it, and the, also it's important, I think, uh, drake, dragon, sure. But also remember that a male duck is a drake, which gives you an insight into male ducks and how horribly nasty creatures they are. Oh, God. Uh, but also just that I, I sometimes like to envision it as a man duck under the earth, <laughs> um, uh, which is its own uh, lovely cloacal adventure. Oh, God. Cloaca, waka, waka. Cloaca, waka, waka. Phrase uh, labyrinthine vagina isn't used enough. <laughs> Uh, the, the side with mandrake too is that um, you know finding a root that works that you, they can grow very large you know as you're carving you would snap off the extra limbs and it would heal over but you can take that and plant that and it would grow into a new mandrake mm -hmm. um, but that you could you could end up through several successions replanting and it grows um, uh, certainly I think uh, one of the lovely full-on descriptions of this is still uh, Mastering Witchcraft, Paul Hewson, like talking about this, of using Bryony even, or using Mandrake, but that digging it up, carving it into likeness, planting it again for a minimum of another lunar passage so that it heals over and it doesn't look cut as much. Right. And that you could plant barley in the, where the hair would be, so that when you dig it up again and it dries, it now has hair. Um, I mean, this is, this is also wonderful training for uh, how to approach burying things for a lunar cycle as well, right? 
you know, that you're not just uh, putting it somewhere to soak in virtue, uh, which is certainly, you know, one of the, the main ways that I approached, uh, you know, interment of things. And certainly that's, you know, a key ingredient in a lot of, um, you know, Agrippa talking about how to consecrate um, magical objects. Uh, but it's also that you are planting something. Yes. And well, the nice thing about the planting too is it does obviously takes on the characteristic of the land around it. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly wild mandrake is amazing for this because you know that it's picked that spot to thrive, but that we can incubate it with the things of our choice. We can amend the soil. We can go pour our blood into the soil. Not necessarily right. if your blood goes out of the leaves, it'll drop its leaves. It doesn't like liquid. I mean, it depends on how much blood you're giving it, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Um, <laughs> but uh, that programming the soil then to then be receptive and and the mandrake is already has a taste for you it already has this built-in yeah. relationship that that be crowning the alron and keeping it near the door in silks in little coffins um in in you know mandrake phylacteries in little tabernacles um uh that I, I love those coffins they're they're, they're awesome um oh, yeah it's fantastic and and even the 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 idea of the mannequin and what this is i mean i can't sing the praises of the secret life of puppets enough as far as a comparative literature book looking at the entire history of the simulacra of the human. It right. looks at everything. And, and Puppet, puppets, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. We're not uh, just talking about like Jerry Anderson and things with strings. Yeah. And uh, just the talking statues to everything, to our own appearance in literature and watching our, our, our um, loss of miracle, you know, as the industrialized uh, post-Protestant, uh, modern worldview starts to arise, um, mm -hmm. and the the um, the loss of miracle means that we have to terrify ourselves in order to feel anything, um, and therefore the grotesque and the arabesque derives and 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 is there's something there, which I wonder if there's some root of that of like the the call to embrace what was political propaganda. Certainly, it doesn't mean that whether we want to debate the historical reality of of practices being demonized by the church or the state in order to exact, uh, uh, take property or, or control a people. That's a yeah. separate conversation, but we know that it was a propaganda system mm -hmm. to define witchcraft and use certain ways of discussing it that then has now under the lens of traditional and folkloric witchcraft become embraced as a starting point. Yeah. And Murray used Isabel Gowdy's confessions to craft her work um that this this notion of the 13 member coven and other things was one of the things that came up a lot at the uh cornwall conference last year yeah um i guess we don't have to worry about going to it this year because the quarantine is still off mm -hmm. but um uh if you're listening boss castle we love you and thank you so much for the conference every year yeah uh, but last year was on isabel gowdy and it, it led many interesting things about the concepts the conceptions of uh forced confessions versus volunteered confessions the notions and the overlap between fairies and devils mm -hmm. and the which is a whole other side of it and that's certainly something that troy and i talk about all the time of just the we have we have um dehorned the demons and uh definitely uh diminutized the fairies to the point where these are these are terrifying things i love um that that we've talked about many times that like even that that image right of the winding sheet of invoking the the the, the dead is mm -hmm. to the, the point of invoking the dead the act of necromancy in the exposition in the book is to then have them call the fairy queen yeah and like that is 
that's a huge thing that mm-hmm. that's not the the understanding of like oh we're talking the dead we're dealing with the dead we're mm-hmm. we're having a pseudo spiritist adventure um but it's to call the thing that is other that and the dogs are barking outside and heck <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh um, it begins yes and one of my rats is standing up on its hind legs dancing um, <laughs> um, but uh Yes, yes, all the fairy queens, may they all come. Um, yeah, yeah. But, and certainly if you add in uh, uh, Troy's big area of research right now, but looking at, at UFO phenomena as ties into, to, as modern day expressions of fairy lore, um, that there's this huge data set, right, of, of abduction and fairy stolen mythology that we dismiss because our lens is geared towards pre-modern and early modern interpretations of these things. Right. Um, which doesn't mean that those things sometimes aren't completely fabricated and made up, but that, that there's so much going on. And um, a lot of what has been popularized in the media is very different than the accounts of the people that have been abducted. Like um, uh, the guy who wrote communion, which that book cover used to, to scare the crap out of me when I was little. Striber. Is that yeah. one of Stribus? Yeah. yeah. That's upstate New York. And they're like little goblins that he first encounters, like little hairy beings. Um, yeah. I, I have, I saw the, the, the the mock-ups for the movie um which i didn't know there was a movie and apparently it's impossible to find because it was terrible um <laughs> but the 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 little things that he first starts talking to are basically like goblins and then he was like the amount of times that you read alien abduction accounts and they describe things that are fairy and goblins yeah. um it is uh that's a whole other thing and that's troy's absolute uh rabbit hole that he likes to go down and i i, I appreciate his uh exposing me to a bunch of things um most of the time <laughs> well it was yeah likewise uh absolutely likewise uh, and not to steal his thunder too much but the the material he was telling me about um uh this is this is this seems apt seen as it was it was this week that the pentagon seems to have announced that ufos are real and no <laughs> almost no, it's causing none of the controversy that uh say margaret murray expected it to uh margaret mead sorry um who who consulted the government apparently a little uh freudian uh, yes, yes. Uh, another Margaret we don't like, Margaret. Um, no, the, just the stuff that Troy was telling me about going through the records of the way these um, uh, uh, entities communicate uh, as well is, 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 is very fairy um, in, in, a, in a lot of ways. Um, like the parallels. All lightning, which is a quintessential part of like uh, Alpine and Pyrenean folklore with the fairies and yeah. the elves, um, that there's something quite interesting there. Um, that Isabel Gowdy's, uh, they're given elfin shot, right? They're given right. elfin arrows, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a big thing. And that they flick them with their thumbs. They're not given a bow to discharge it, but they, they try and hit their target by flicking mm-hmm. their thumb. The arrows launch out, but they're not very accurate, she said, by the, <laughs> the, the critique of them. Um, that's, that's the part that, that's one of the parts that feels very, like, not not believable like the rest of her doesn't seem believable but that's the part that seems very human right we do this thing it, it works sometimes yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh do, do we do we want to move to we, i feel like we're uh, uh, a suitable crossroads we can move to isabella we can move to uh astra yeah we've definitely well, i think we keep touching on isabella as it is so yeah uh bring up uh, let's go to astroth and and uh see how we tie in all this because i know we've even discussed Isabel far more than we've discussed some of our poor dead magicians in the past on previous episodes. So it's true. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting better. Right? <laughs> uh, so 
It can be. Come to the Sabbath. Come to the Sabbath. Come to the Satan's there. I love that. I love that. Like, who all's there? Uh, oh, Satan's there. All oh, right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, 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 I'll put in an appearance. <laughs> I just like they scream out Astaroth in a way that it's hard to understand who they're actually like applauding is there. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 very um it's very someone just jumped through a paper uh, star wipe, isn't it? Uh, it's very TV presenter. Astaroth. Bless. Uh, I've been trying to trace um, a useful timeline to talk about uh, Ashtaroth slash Ashtaroth slash Asherah slash Astarte, uh, etc. I think starting with the demon and then working back to um, other uh, earlier things might make more sense. I mean, in terms of like sheer demon, demon of the of the of the week or of the uh, yeah. the, the, the session uh, 1400s right we get um the the byzantine things like um the higromantia known as the magical treaties of solomon um where where they're a big deal in there uh, as uh, also clm 849 right the the munich manuscript the 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 forbidden rites um spends uh, its time analyzing so we have this earlier byzantine um thread and certainly the spells uh where astaroth is um invoked in this in the in the in the language in the parlance of the times um twas the style of the time uh with lucifer and belzebuth right now this is not the only triumvirate model there's the there's the lbs of uh lucifer belzebuth satan as well which is also or satan which is also um particularly popular but we get Astaroth turning up very early along with those two as a very senior figure. Uh, the three names being invoked in um, for as a Byzantine spell that, that Jake pulls out uh, for consecrating an image to do love magic with that require that, that, that calls on all three of those as a kind of infernal hierarchy. Uh, and then by the time we get to gosh, the, the 16th century, we've got, um, you know, the Cambridge book of magic uh, is, is listed there. Uh, obviously turns up in uh, Uncle Heinrich's three books. Um, uh, obviously turns up in Vea, um, Prestigious Demonorum, um, and therefore, you know, Book of Offices of Spirits, um, uh, the thing called the Book of Oberon. Um, uh, obviously in, in Discovery of Witchcraft then. Um, Book of Abramelin, the one that's published uh, like right at the start of the 17th century. Uh, they're mentioned in the Ludon possessions as well, interestingly. So we do start to get, um, there, we, we do have accounts. Uh, they're not, it's not just a, a literary tradition of, you know, turning up in, in a bunch of um, dusty old grimoires. They're, they're also turning up in, in actual possession cases. Um, big deal again in the grimoire of Pope Honorius, again with that uh, LBA uh, triumvirate format uh, set to rule over Wednesdays. Uh, typically, um, then the Magus compiles all of that kind of stuff, and the Verum also uh, compiles a bunch of the mixtures of earlier De Secretis manuscripts um, that sometimes call that third chief Elastor, uh, but sometimes gets by the time we get to Verum, um, which is a, a 17th and even 18th century take on that much much earlier text. Uh, then, then, then Astaroth has become our. They've they've reintegrated this more familiar, um, older uh, chief. But of course, all of that, you know, we're only going back to what 1400s. There, um, all of this is 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 predicated on um, 
a set of similarities that are being drawn, like the, the, the parallels and the, the similarities are being drawn at the time as well to uh, Ashtore mentioned in, in, in the Bible. So we get Astoret or Ashtoreth or Ashtoret uh, or Astoret uh, as a distortion of Ashtat, it seems. Um, and it's said that probably because the last two syllables have been uh, pointed to, to, to vowels. And that gives us, um, oh, where is it? Boshef, uh, 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 which is one of the words for abomination. Um, so we start to be able to see how the name itself is being manipulated uh, for, you know, um, the, the, the use of uh, etymology itself um, in, in, in demonologists' screeds. And then again, obviously, we've got the biblical uh, Ashtoreth, um, which shouldn't be confused entirely with Asherah, right? Um, who we get in the, the Book of Kings, uh, etc. Um, gosh, you know, banging your head against um, uh, Semitic languages themselves um, and, and what's, a, what's an aleph and what's a glottal stop uh, and so on um, becomes like, yeah, uh, something that you, I quickly didn't feel I had like, the full qualifications for, um, in terms of tracing exactly how we get from, from one to the other. Right. Um, but this is the urtext example of the demonization of pagan gods, uh, as well. Like if, if we're going to take this to a, a modern historiographical dimension to, to Goetia, et cetera, right. This is the, the urtext example of, you know, not all of these demons are horrible demons. Some of them are, you know, uh, beloved goddesses uh, who were just on the wrong side of a Christian history. Um, well, I mean, the nature of what is a demon as well is, is incredibly important to explore that. Um, mm -hmm. The larger concept of, of, of daemon and, and how it comes in and certainly what that is. But um, yeah, I think there's also this uh, weird um, kind of program thing in our brains as westerners of the the golden age fallacy that like the further back we can trace something the more authentic it is the more mm. pure it is mm -hmm. and um it's 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 been really helpful for me in, in in looking at other systems of understanding the progression and the evolution of things and the and then the answer to the needs of the people that things go through um as as value centers shift um you know we it's or even the chaos understanding that you know you can go from fanatic anything to another fanatic expression of right. something completely different because fanaticism is the is the currency right um, the zeal of the convert and the that here that uh because something is rooted in something else does not mean that the entity that is being identified as asherah is the same thing as the 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 goddess here we hell have. no yeah catherine of siena is not catherine of alexandria just because they have the same name and yet they are but they're not mm, mm, mm. They may, share, they may share certain ritual features um, and flavors and some stories may be shared. Um, yeah, but, but uh, and I don't think we have to get into a full, um, you know, chaos magic, oh, gods uh, only exist off our belief and if we project a belief, then, then it's a different entity. I don't think we have to go that far in terms of like, these are all our, uh, you know, a, a, a projected out psychologization to say the, yeah, to say the, 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 you know, the Duchess of Hell, Astaroth is not the same as Astarte. 
just functionally speaking, because if nothing else, we've had, you know, a good couple of millennia for that to, uh, for them to go their different ways. There's some interesting features when we get to even that earlier feature though of like, so let's talk about Solomon, right? Uh, the, the, the Testament of Solomon lists, um, uh, Asterauth, um, A-S-T-E-R-A, O with the hat, uh, T-H, um, which is said to be an angel that frustrates uh, the fifth of those seven that are uh, related to the Pleiades, um, who says they are power and that they uh, raise up tyrants and tear down kings. Um, and, has, and the angel that frustrates them is, is this Asterauth. And if we compare that to the passage in Kings about how Solomon uh, is, you know, um, turned away from his good Christian, uh, well, uh, his good pious godly practice to an ungodly practice of following Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians and Moloch. That's what I was, I was, that's what it was making me think of. Mm. Um, the, the, the demonization of the derivation, you know, the, the, the distraction from the path, it's the satanic verses, right? Mm. That, you know, Muhammad incorporates uh, Al-Uzza, Al-Alat, al and Manat into the Quran and then removes them because Satan tempted him. And it, 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 he could have incorporated these feminine powers, which could have brought in more people, but he, mm. it, it, it distracted from the oneness of, yeah. of, of Allah. So it, there's something in that too, that like when the temple, which incorporated temples to other deities that had been um, conquered in the right. air, it incorporates how that's how kingdoms survive incorporating the the, the systems of the people they've conquered mm -hmm. uh, and the shift also from uh, high god to one god is it's is something you can trace and again i i, I always applaud karen armstrong's field of blood for this kind of wonderful evolution uh, examination of that through history and the, the 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 shifting thing that is jerusalem if we want to compare Ashtaroth to that that like there is this this relationship that things change and uh, it fits the needs and the desires of the people, what we project upon it. But this idea that the organization of, of uh, Astra, uh, wow, that was, I don't know what vowels came out of my mouth there. Um, <laughs> right? Uh, Astaroth, Astaroth, Astaroth. Um, yeah, yeah. All the way. Um, There's also something there of like a consistency in actual role. Um, so if we, if we don't get too hit upon Angelos as messenger or as, um, you know, in, in the Testament, it's obviously talking about what will later be called thwarting angels um, or thwarting spirits. But if we just take that, this is a powerful entity that can boss around another powerful entity. That's, that's not, that's not inconsistent with any of the later takes on uh, Astroth as a, as a chief, for instance. I always wonder too, if like, <laughs> just to complicate things, Ben will just make fun of me for this, but that like, so there's the three Buddha bodies, right? One of which is the emanation body where that an enlightened being can appear in whatever form is, is the most helpful to get the message across to the person that is the audience. Mm. And I always think about this with like, not necessarily in that bodhisattvic form, but like, is there this root entity that's just like, this is how we get offerings this year? Like, is it, is it, is it like the, the various expressions of diasporic religion where you got to keep up with the Joneses and like, you know, we're doing this festival this year because it's now popular to do this festival. Mm. Um, and uh, incorporation of, of trend into how these things go. Certainly the, 
demons are their own memes in in this amazing way um right. we can't we can sit there and argue the historical um contextuals though the the etymology of something but if the majority of people are still remembering two or three accounts written by some prominent goetic magicians in the 80s and 90s mm. they're going to form their idea about how it's supposed to appear based on those things um right. and that's its own interesting thing too to go from the like the kind of um what's the guy uh or the, uh poke runyon <laughs> <laughs> martial uh, art <laughs> sean connery but a little bit more drawn out yeah um, it's just it's just a good mouthfeel to just put your mouth in like yeah, yeah. um but that uh, in the mirror is uh <laughs> it's, that the spirit in the mirror is its own thing. Do we go from the triangle as a container, container device being suggested that that's the only way to do it? We're like, but it's not in all the remarks that way. Right. Um, and the difference of just appear outside of the circle. I'm protecting the circle. I don't care what happens to the rest of the world. Mm. I'm protected right now. Um, or is the demon not like, is it just bound like a leash with a silver cord? Is it astral projecting from hell? Like, right. Um, I take it into like some, some Constantine thing here or um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, yeah are we dealing with well this is also a, a root approach to grimoires right that there's that you need some secret key to make it work right i blame i blame weights for saying that like grimoires are unwieldy like you don't come across that many that require a, a phoenix feather or something they're specific and and it might be a bitch to get up at that time and do that thing but it's rarely it says the phoenix feather app hmm? when you have the complete one Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then we'll just call that anecdotal. Um, <laughs> no, the, but, but this, but this root notion that like there's there's a there's a secret that you need to unlock it, right? And that's what underlies Runyon's um, you know insistence on the on on the black mirror, right? Um, that this is the this is the piece that's been missing and why it hasn't worked before and it won't work for anyone else. Uh, until you do this this one weird trick uh, trademark right um, and so that itself I think um, underlies a uh, or I think is undergirded by uh, a particular bias about um, grimoires needing to be jailbroken as opposed to just paid attention to and even the the kind of uh, incorporation of grimoire material and spirit catalogs into uh, hybrid creolization, uh, creole traditions in the new world where um, there's already a working vocabulary and understanding of how spirit contact, spirit contract, um, spirit possession uh, all work. And mm -hmm. there it's readily incorporated as a, a reality. There's no, there's no um, question of just incorporating those things, which is you know, it, 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 it invites a, a very complex argument about uh, things that we've talked about many times that like it, it is simply incorporating um, Ashtaroth because you read about Ashtaroth in the, in the Key of Solomon into your work, make you a goetic magician or are you just working with a goetic spirit? Is, is the reverse true that if you call upon the King of the Seven Crossroads, um, are you a Kimbanero because you're now working with a spirit that usually is identified as a Kimbanda spirit? Mm. Um, what is the what are the landmarks of those things? And it gets a very blurry thing. Um, it's to me there's still a little bit of it being like um, concept, conceptions of who gets to call themselves a curandero in in 
in, in old school parlance, like, well, somebody that heals people is called a curandero by those around them. Right. Um, maybe if, I think we're even into this in terms of like, if you have to ask if you're a witch, you might not be. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, certainly, you know, shooting your bullets at the moon or, or screaming, I am a witch three times into a three-sided mirror is, is, you know, you've told yourself enough times you're a witch. Right, right. Right. But, uh, and there's certainly an element of that too in, in, in Creole traditions of um, being told you worship the devil and you're like, fine, I worship the devil, then I'm, then I'm going to incorporate that devil shit too. Right, right. Um, he does have the best tunes. Um, this, is, this is also, you know, interesting in light of um, by the time we get to Verum and things uh, and, and... By the, the time we get to truth. As yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, but by the time we get to my favorite, uh, we have Astroth explicitly identified as ruling the Americas. Don't listen to him. Excellent book of magic. <laughs> um, it, it, it knows I love it, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Favorite. You're my bread and butter, but you're not my favorite. <laughs> you're all my brightest students. Um, that's, uh, oh, Brian Blessed in the made for TV uh, MacGyver movie. Amazing stuff. Um, Search for Atlantis, whatever it's called, Treasures of Atlantis. Um, Oh, MacGyver. Uh, so yeah, no, the, the, the idea that uh, Astaroth rules the Americas is very interesting to me. Just, you know, and, and this is the schema where um, Beelzebub rules uh, the Africas and uh, Lucifer rules the, the Europes and the Asias. Um, so this is a, a, a level- Or Europe, really? Really, Al? Yes, yes, I did, yes. Um, it's, a, you know, a contested field. Um, <laughs> also, if anybody's wondering, because of our physical distance, uh, we are not uh, astral projecting to talk with each other. We are over Zoom. So if some of these uh, emphatic laughters become off a little more digital, this is my um, one apology. <laughs> right in the middle. <laughs> they're going to they're hunt for that apology. I don't know. <laughs> this long. <laughs> There's a, it's true. It's true. Uh, no, I just, uh, yeah, the notion of rulership is interesting and even... You know, we're not just talking about, oh, there's the, there's the Astaroth, there's the being that has a name like Astaroth that's a goddess and this being that's, uh, that's a chief of hell. We also get, by the time, you know, we come to, oh, uh, Vea and especially by the time we get to the popularization of the uh, discovery of witchcraft, we get Astaroth relegated from their role as chief as just another of the 72 or the 69 nice um depending on which manuscript you're talking about uh so there's 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 more than one astaroth as well and this this idea of you know oh are you working with the astaroth of the goetia of solomon or are you working with the astaroth of uh verum you know Oh, obviously we can we can we can complain about that being a wrong-headed question but there's there, there is a there's a difference in role, right? Even if we're talking about the same entity wearing different hats still, there's a difference between, you know, Astroth in Scott's discovery and in, 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 in what will be called the Goetia of Solomon, right? The great and strong Duke, uh, again, appearing as a foul angel, interestingly, uh, you know, on their dragon, carrying a viper and all these kinds of things. Um, or in the 1971 cult classic uh, childhood favorite, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, where Astroth is a wizard. Um, oh, snap. Price in order to... Um, get the uh, the uh, substitutionary locomotion spell in order to defeat the Nazis. Um, <laughs> uh, the best reason for doing Goetia, let's be clear. 
I think there's something, um, yeah, uh, there are things that we can learn about about demonology, um, both in terms of the study of demons and the study of uh, our um, responses to demons, both in terms of like, you know, Christian demonologists and practical demonologists, we might say, um, to, to go all Jonathan uh, Strange about it. There's, you know, the, the, the fact that like a, a popular name is going to keep cropping up in different contexts and be given different weights and cast different shadows adds to this, you know, adds to the legions, frankly. Yeah, that's an important side of, of, of considering all these things, right? That it, it's, it's, it's the Astaroth is different from an Astaroth. Right. Um, and, and this notion of this, that it is a spirit that appears in this thing and that um, this is certainly many people go into the theories of this, of that the legions are because the spirit never leaves its, its kingdom and it is sending a legion to you. Right. Um, to appear. Um, I, a little note on this, because uh, we mentioned the, the king and the queen of seven crossroads, uh, and uh, mm. are both associated with this, this um, spectrum that is Astarte to Ashtaroth. And Ashtaroth is specifically because of the, the Grimorium Verum uh, association uh, given the, the placeholder for uh, the King of the Seven Crossroads. And then in the st even stranger, because this is the, the 50s and 60s and, and Fontenelle's list and, and this obsession with um, kind of uh, collapsing these things to, to, to give it something more spooky or, or perhaps it was certain houses that were incorporating these syncretic lists in this way. And, and there's definitely things that are uh, traceable to Fontenelle and, and these, the creation of the, the seven lines of Kimbanda at this time, which many people will argue and most of the time, uh, most people still work in kingdoms, not lines. Mm. Um, but that uh, later uh, descriptions of Pombajira start to have these lists that go up to, and it's certainly not an exhaustive list. It's, it's about a dozen. Pombajiras are given correspondences and the Queen of the Seven Crosses is going to Astarte. Um, huh. And uh, I do not, I mean, like my, my memory even of Astarte in Catholic school is so much nothing like uh, the Queen <laughs> of the Seven Crossroads. Um, in, it, it, <laughs> so I, I, this, you know, how many Astartes are there in the world? Um, well, how many crossroads are there? But um, certainly the King of the Seven Crossroads as this, this force for action that is um, so kind of, as a katisu, as a, as a spirit, is so um, almost uh, notoriously benevolent in his, in his interactions with things. He's, 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 a, he's a stable issue, as many of the Malay, as the, what is your term for them? The deputies? Deputies, yeah. Uh, are that these... these um, the six that are under the the high three. Mm -hmm. uh, For Astaroth, that's um, Sagatana and Neberos, who are uh, usually related to Veludo and uh, Eshud, Veludo and Eshud Los Rios, uh, respectively. Yeah, and Trancahua is uh, sometimes given under King of the Seven Crossroads, and Chididi as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Can all they all kind of flip between uh, the Beelzebub and the Astaroth, which is wonderfully confusing. Um, but uh, you know, past the kind of specific esotericisms of that, that the that Astaroth can be an, an appended name onto the King of the Seven Crossroads, even in, in some Pontos, mm -hmm. uh, Pontos Cantados. So uh, is, are they calling Astaroth a demon or are they 
calling Pedro Sánchez Custodiadas, uh, you know, has a new title, the way that uh, many deities and spirits um, and value centers collapse into each other. Mm. Um, that, you know, I, I, I find all that less fruitful to, um, to think on eternally than to actually uh, deal with the King of the Seven Crossroads on his own terms. Right. Uh, but uh, certainly it is interesting that the, the syncretism was so enough that they put the Queen of the Seven Crossroads to Astarte. Mm. And, and so we get these pagan goddesses that kind of come in along with like um, Prosperpina and uh, Petitis. Um, so you, you immediately go to demons and then Baal Bareth, um, a male entity for Rosa Caveda mm. um, and uh, uh, Nagini, um, the, not, not the Harry Potter Nagini, but uh, the, the Naga queen. Right uh, for for so and not all of those bombajiras are as common in 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 the possession cults. So it's interesting too that the the, the list that was given is not necessarily um, of of use for everyone. No, it feels very reachy, frankly. Um, Especially you know. the bombajira list. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like specifically, like the the the, the counterparting in general. We you know is an ongoing conversation, but the the list of just like sinister powerful lady spirits demonesses and witch queens um like you can see what they're doing you can see the um you know the the evocative nature of like why they're picking those names is clear um but the the very sort of like cross-cultural you know running down it, feel, it feels more like running down correspondence lists or not even, or just, you know, desperately reaching for um, sinister goddess names. Agreed very much. Uh, sorry, I somehow muted myself. Um, she did not want it spoken. Uh, <laughs> but uh, because, especially since we don't find, to my knowledge, any place where that specific list of of lady spirits mm. pseudo lady spirits is is there whereas with the eshu list it is specifically grimoirium verum and then it's expanded upon to include by many authors later uh key of solomon uh right uh, like mather's edition spirits right so it's a very different thing when you go from astartea to petitis lilith mm. uh, to Pasrapina, Clifoth, mara balberet lamastu lamia nagini like Rusalkis, like what, what is, what is going on here? And, and yeah, the Rusalkis especially, right? Yeah, it's just, it's, there's something going on in Keteb for, for Pomojira del Sol and um, it, not to derail it too much, but um, you know, the, the thing with the Queen of Seven Crossroads um, and the King of Seven Crossroads, they both have the, the, the titles, right, of King and Queen, but we know that the, the Queen is the, the even more active partner in that uh, pairing. Um, that they they may be a quote unquote mated pair, but but she is the one who wears the pants. Um, not that he is without power, but he is much more amiable and and sociable, and uh, mm. with people directly. Whereas she comes down and it's all her show. If that's the case, right. um, everything becomes her imperial at that time, her empire, mm. um, and that's its own thing. Um, which is neither of them particularly feel like um, the Ashtaroth of of the grimoires. Um, however, I, it, there is always this hidden thing that the fire of Eshu that is in the big three is just underneath the surface. Even when a spirit, even when a Gatiso, uh, an Eshu is talking with someone, it can always turn into that fire. 
Mm. Um, is it sending a legion? Is it sending a dead priest? Depending on which lineage or thought you are with King Bamid, those things can change. Right. Um, uh, is it an entity? Is it a, is it a dead practitioner? Mm-hmm. All those things will change from house to house. What, what Gundam Blade Nation that has influenced that specific Umbanda or Kimbanda will change those opinions too. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm all for the, the multi-headed scary Astaroth. Um, uh, there's something very interesting there. Um, but the King of Seven Crossroads is, is a, a wonderfully stable, um, approachable Eshu. Out of, the, out of the big three, um, you know, dealing with uh, Eshu Lucifer, Eshu Mor, Eshu Hades, Eshu Cruciliades, um, the King of Seven Crossroads is the most easy to deal with and yeah. contractually the most straightforward. Kind of the most human, for want of yeah. a better term. Or the yeah. closest to understanding humans. If, if we can be so bold as to be understood. <laughs> yeah, fair. There's, that was almost like a bastardized St. Francis prayer there. Wow. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, yeah. To, uh, yeah, I, I, I found, if it's useful, you know, I found that parallels that um, you know jake's very fond of um considering it useful to look at hecate when considering astaroth uh the 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 duchess of hell uh just as you know in 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 conversations with peter and alkistus of the scarlets they find looking at um the figures that will become uh aphrodite um as well as uh, ishtar and inanna uh, very useful for considering uh, Astaroth. Um, so there's also ways in which, you know, we don't have to equate in order to find adjacent mysteries necessarily. And certainly I think important to, in understanding um, all um, uh, apparitions, manifestations of these spirits and deities as a spectrum in that when you're going with a Levantine spirit catalog that, that of course, you know, the birthplace of Aphrodite being Cyprus, there's going to be something that is contained, but is already going to start to containing what's to the West of it as well. Just like language itself, that, that it doesn't suddenly become Portuguese when you cross into the Portuguese border in Spain, Mm -hmm. Spanish starts in one way in the East and it slowly turns into something else as it goes West. Mm -hmm. Um, And that perhaps there's something of that, too with these spirits that you know one town's Astaroth is going to be different from someone else's one other town's right. Astaroth. And, right. and the books the grimoires fuck with this even more mm-hmm. because now the book is written somewhere and somebody's specific experience is now the codify, codification of it that is presented to someone else which you know we, we've talked about this before but you can actually rob the person of their own spirit site because they're expecting yeah what is in the book bloody um, anthropologists yeah so we find ourselves there. So the, this notion of Ishtar, um, uh, such as it is, I, I remember there was a distinct point where I was really confused in looking at Greek religion through Greek terms in, in, through a, a, an increasingly understanding of, of how amazingly bizarre Greek culture was. But in my head, it was still Jason and the Argonauts from when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> and that the kind of, Romanization, which inevitably makes things even more human than perhaps some of the Greek deities, they're human, but they're different, right? There's still a Titan level beyond them. Mm-hmm. And Aphrodite, especially being her own thing that is pre-existent before that, 
um, both an Olympian and, and, and also arising out of the primal ball juice. Uh, but, uh, and, and foreshadowed by Eros there in the beginning of creation. Uh, but there's also not literalism so much as comparative stories to, to describe her nature. And that the um, Anglicization, Anglicization, Anglicization? Wow, that sounds weird. Uh, magic with a K. Um, uh, of Greco-Roman myth, by the time we get to its, you know, Edith Hamilton's book in my hands as a young child, mm. um, presents these deities and spirits in a very specific way that is incredibly anthropomorphized beyond even conceptions of like Olympianness to me that I look back now and, and um, look at classical studies in college and, and professors there that were desperately trying to break apart this kind of post 17 post 1800s ideas of what the Greeks were doing or what the Romans were doing or what the Egyptians were doing. Right. Certainly what ancient Mesopotamia was doing. Um, and conceptions that it wasn't, it's, it's very hard to undo modern mindsets about what religion is and what it's like to appeal to a deity. And our notions of what polytheism has changed hugely in the last 30, 40 years in yeah. the understanding that there, you know, polytheistic culture was not always like the gods as distinct personalities. You, would, you could combine gods to create your, your, your ideal god of the moment and talk to them. And it was real while you were praying to it. In, mm. and, and this understanding is, is blow, it, it, it blows the kind of like, oh, how foolish they are to think that there's so many gods. They understood that they were manipulating the power of deity. Right. Uh, any cultures, I'm not saying that this is a universal app applicable thing. No. When, we look, when we look at specifically Aztec culture or we look at Egyptian culture, um, there, there are differences in the way that they approach um, the, the polytheistic universe. And uh, certainly it's not as simple as like, well, they believe there's 12 gods or 24 gods instead of one. Right. Uh, and it's, it's blurry. So I think the certainly demon, demonology, demonolatry, demonolism, demoniacs, necromancy, necromancy, um, necromancy, um, necronomicon. Uh, Yahtzee. Yahtzee um, are... Uh, the spectrum continues and I just, yeah, I, Astaroth is, is, is a difficult one um, because first off the woodcut, just whatever. Um, <laughs> oh God, the, the Declancy stuff? Yeah. The, oh, they can all suck a fuck, frankly. Some of them are cute. Like Bale <sighs> is cute. <sighs> Adramelech is fun. Asmode is fun. Behemoth is fun. Astaroth, um, well, it's like the epitome of like over it. Um, <laughs> there is something that is a little bit like, um, I don't know, uh, Bronte having to deal with another suitor on the face. <laughs> but, but there's also something of like very much like, um, it's very Andrew Lloyd Webber looking too, interestingly. Um, um, you know, he's concocting the next phantom. Um, Monstrous. But, yeah. Um, uh, also, the adversary of Saint Bartholomew always stands out to me, right? The, the, mm, yeah, I was. I would. Yeah, I wanted to see if that that was something that you um, jived I mean, with. Saint Bart, right there, right? So Saint Bart, the skin flaying saint, who has his own mythology across Christendom for being like snake deity syncretisms or dragon deity syncretisms or or um, just the trickster that comes to steal your power. All these different things that can happen. Um, you know, saint Bart is a rough saint. Um, when you're, when you're, when you're, your tool is the flaying knife um, and right. you hold your own skin in your hands, standing there all like muscular, um, mm -hmm. literally just the muscle. Um, <laughs> but like, how does this balance Astaroth? 
Mm. Um, uh, yeah, is it? How does this? It, it's it's interesting. Um, just find that, and certainly the. Well, there's a, there's a there's a is it is it Shetland Redgrove that talk about you know um, again back to menstruation uh, as as the as draconic. Uh, and, and that, that kind of make that equation of, of using that as a as a means of reading, you know, that that the Astroth right, you know, in, at least in the, you know, Scott's Discovery version, rides a dragon, holds a viper, um, is often very linked to to serpentine kinds of things as well. Yeah, and certainly the the power over serpents is uh, one of the gifts that Astroth brings, mm -hmm. and Bartholomew being the skin flayed saint is always serpentine in that turn skin way um, and uh, that Bartholomew is specifically said to have understood the temptations of Astaroth directly mm. um, which is you know sloth right laziness self-doubt um, what is it seduces men by means of laziness self-doubt and rationalized philosophies uh, I'm in this photo and I don't like it <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> rationalized philosophies um, yeah <laughs> Uh, triggered, attacked, um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what it should be. Um, yeah, yeah. Trigonum acoides, yeah. trichorum satis D, and all those things. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and and the roots of um, I don't know. Uh, certainly, uh, I use have have used for a very long time roses with Astaroth work, um, and so that that connection shouldn't be, you know. Obviously, the roses like is a rose, is a rose, is a rose. Um, you know, and is, is the is the queen of flowers to, to, to Sappho as opposed to just some, you know, just an Urtext's love plant. Um, but certainly I feel like the, the, the commonality of mysteries there, that like lots of these um, spirits and goddesses cohere around that, that swirling of the unending rose. Okay, so to complicate that then, you know, if, if Astaroth... Uh, attempts through self-doubt and laziness and rationalized philosophy. So that's, that does directly call out those of us that like to overthink things, right? That mm -hmm. can justify anything, mm -hmm. rational thought, even if it's no longer right. You can rationally defend irrationality. Yeah. Um, so it feels like that's a natural segue to Albus. It does. Yeah, exactly. We spent so much time talking about, um, Brubius type things, uh, blood, violence, um, uh, the confusion of passing into death um, and things of that nature that, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's a, that's a really natural um, pivot to talking about uh, Albus and, uh, and the white, which is the only other explicit color. Um, so not only is it upside down Rubius, so we have this like lovely alchemical, uh, Opposition, non non dual opposition, non non opposing duality uh, of of the white and the red, um, geomantically speaking. Sometimes you see um, Puella being called fair or even pale, um, and sometimes you see Tristitia being called referring to things that are black. Um, but the two explicit colours there are, are the white and the and the red, and so red is the opposite of white. Like it's it's the upside down. Uh, it is the cup arrighted as opposed to the cup upside down. If we're going to look at the the form of the figures pictographically, which as I think I've ranted about before, I'm sure is about um, cupping, not just about the spilled wine glass um, of, of, of Rubius and, and the spilling of wine and blood, 
but the the upending of a cup uh, to heat it and to put it to the skin for phlebotomy, uh, which is also a rubious thing. So the cup has been erited, the goblet or the inkwell, as I prefer, is like uh, face up. Um, and so you have that lovely two, two, one, two format of, of Albus. Um, and I think a good place to start with, with Albus is like, is its, is, it, is its whiteness, right? It's the white of the writing paper, the yellowing white of old pages and tomes and scrolls. Um, I like to extend that with like the, the notion of a body of work to talk about Albus being the white bones of ancestral wisdom. Um, it's also laboratory white, right? Um, white like the coats, right? Um, like cleanliness, like sterility, um, like the face of a mime, uh, but also sagacity therefore, right? Like the, the, the hair of the elderly, the white of judges wigs, um, and, and, and all of that seems to cohere in a sense of clarity of thought. And again, some quartzy type things, right? White as, black, as, as barren blank space as well, but also white as the kind of heated filament of the cartoon light bulb of, of Eureka, right? All of those notions of peace, purity and, 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 and wisdom. And the, you know, the standard stuff, I, I, well, not standard maybe, but the, I think it's, I like scaffolding a little bit. So it's easy to talk about Albus as um, emotionless, as, um, you know, the robot uh, learning to love or the, um, or the, the, Vul the Star Trek Vulcan, um, as opposed to the Hephaestus Vulcan. But the, uh, the, 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 some of the, the delineations of Albus are, it gets very emotional. Um, especially when uh, you're saying something that is wrong on the internet about your, you know, your favorite topic to nerd out about. Um, there are definitely some delineations that say, you know, Albus is, is not this usual shy, aloof, um, shy, aloof, not shy, halud. Uh, uh, ivory towering, um, uh, academic it's it's also you know right up in there in some arguments uh, as well. well it would have to be because if you if you i mean if, if you look at it graphically right it's not the the container that is populous that that can allow for all things mm. um but it's literally pinched at the anus right tugged from the groin by, of its yeah. waterline yeah yeah so yeah. the thing that's holding it together is that tension Mm -hmm. so yeah. it, it, it imagines that the head is very large and able to be filled <laughs> but it's still holding everything together by clenching that butthole yeah um, and th this is interesting links to the moon as well and the whiteness of the moon um i i read from a hedonian um perspective so i i, I consider albus an airy figure um you know our good friends and colleague sam um block of the digital ambler uh reads it uh, which is also a very traditional reading of albus as a uh, watery figure, and that fits in very neatly with um, some of Sam's work on the uh, the four figures that have only one quote-unquote active line, and those being elemental. Um, so uh, Laetitia being not just a fiery figure, but kind of like the fiery figure. Um, Rubius being the airy figure, Albus being the watery figure, and Tristitia being like the earthy figure because they have a single dot in their respective elemental lines there. Uh, and, I, and, 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 and for me, like Albus is such a, an airy intellectual figure that uh, it's, um, it's not a stretch, but it's, very, it's interesting for me to consider it from a different angle as a, as a watery figure. And the root notion of what we're doing when we're um, not just 
being academics or being researchers or being archivists, which is really, I think, the big deal with Albus. But that notion of like the pooling of, of, of like knowledge as watery um, is, is interesting to me. Um, we're back to ink mysteries a little bit here. But ultimately, you've also, you know, most of the time, the, the point that we can agree on is that Albus is a, is a mercurial figure. Um, I've not really seen it attributed to any other planets. Uh, it, is the, it is the day side of Mercury. It's everything we do know about Mercury. It's the, uh, the archivist, the, 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 the guide through the library, as opposed to everything we don't know about Mercury, the two-headed or the two-faced devil at the crossroads that we get with Conjunctio. The other. How does the um, daughter of astrology here deal with Mercurial's mercuriality in that? Meaning, I know that there's these these paired planetary correspondences, but um, Mercury being good with good and bad with bad type of right. We don't get yeah uh, yeah yeah. So the 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 thing that's sometimes called Mercury's quote instability or instability. Um, yeah, uh, it 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 seems to do the the kind of like goody baddie pretty pretty neatly with the diurnal and the nocturnal um the albus is um mercury by day um generally pretty pretty good um generally moving towards um ingenuity and industry those are the two of the buzzwords that we get um with with uh with albus a lot and then um i think uh conjunctio seems it's, it's definitely the night side and um and seems to be the like the dodginess of Mercury as you know patron of thieves and things like that. Um, Albus is pretty clear on what it means. It's bringing expertise to something. Um, Conjunctio, I would say, is a bit more of that good with good and bad with bad because it's about connecting up, right? And if you're connecting up with, you know, what are you tying yourself to? Um, what are you? Uh, what are you? What are you signing an X on a, on a contract that you might not be able to read? So there's definitely a lot more of that ambiguity with, with um, conjunctio, I'd say. The um, other correspondences are, are, are varied. This is, um, you know, this is one of the Ifa uh, Odu in the sense that this is a higher up, this is 15 shells. Right. Um, which uh, Brazil, it, the, one of the primary refrains would be, um, uh, a soldier is always alert. Um, mm. And then the kind of other refrains that you hear um, for this, uh, you know, a good general does not send his best soldiers into battle. Um, uh, my father told me to carry the bag of success on my neck. And so I will not surrender the prosperity of that to anyone. Um, you have to keep it with you, right? You can't, you can't distribute it. You can't hide it. It has to be on you. Mm. Um, Strong people work to make others strong. So it's, it's an odu that calls for leadership through example. Okay. Um, uh, shrines will always be shrouded in mystery. Hmm. Which ties heavily into right. Of course, the the uh, I forget my Latin names, but the cloth that goes over the and the square that goes over the communion wine here. That uh, there's a lot of opportunity for. Uh, vanity and constantly feeling misunderstood in this sign mm. um and uh, uh uh rejection is not so easily uh dealt with in this sign especially when in dealing with love mm. 
uh, is not always the uh, best sign for health. Um, it, it, it kind of represents a fragility health-wise um, and does have a call to attention. Um, there's an extreme need to, to tend to the fire here in um, larger context. There's connections to Ibeji, to Oba, and these other um, um, things moving through here, very finicky um, things that need to be taken care of within with focused attention so that soldier is always alert comes to to mind here and even so like if, if we're extending it to just a looser interpretation and going geomantically to understand that um the cup that you're carrying right if it's especially we're going into like a, a christian uh, uh inheritance mm. of not spilling the blood of christ mm. not not letting it turn into rubius certainly the finictiness of like keeping things white uh, seems present and um, I wouldn't necessarily say I mean definitely like in say in the sixth like Albus is about like if you're ill you're not getting better anytime soon it's not necessarily like a um, uh, you, you're 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 in serious danger of getting worse but it's um, there's a there's a sterility to Albus um, so it's not just everything has to be just so OCD style there's um there's a sense of like uh, can't really function unless things are, are, are a particular way. I mean, there's definitely this idea of, of um, the threat of palm oil on white cloth. Um, mm. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying with Odu for anybody that's listening to, to stick to published sources and not go too much into permutations just because I, I would like to keep my um, religious privileges. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the elder who broke the palm oil keg, uh, that is Obatala, he who by covering it all made it all right. Um, it is starting a war, an inner struggle that goes on in the backyard of the skull, which is the sacred home of Iponri, the secret home of Iponri that is cast for she who gave him knightly favors, mm -hmm. the concubine in the king's palace. Like, you know, Ifa verses are their own extreme, interesting, um, although it's, it's the poetry of it is almost inaccessible from a Western lens, unless you really know what it's trying to say and understanding the poetry. Mm -hmm. um, but there is uh, the, the hidden side here, the things at the back of the skull, the things that need to be attended, that kind of reptile brain that is always on watch. Right. It always needs to kick in when you hear the things falling in the woods around you so that you wake up and take care of it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, mm. there's there's a, a a victory and an accomplishment that comes here, but there's mm -hmm. also an easy betrayal by friends, um, easy betrayal by people you consider close. Mm. They're not going to uh, give you good advice. They're they're trying to to take the resources for themselves. Um, you know, you can't you can't. Sometimes they say you can't tie water in a knot, <laughs> uh, or that you can't tie water to your clothes. Mm. Um, you can make them wet, but you can't tie water to it. Right. Uh, but yeah, hmm. interesting stuff there. It's just it's also one of those ones that because it's so high up, it's not one that's talked about quite as much. Mm. It's outside the bell curve of of Dilagoon, um, though the ones in the center, mm. um, the the bell curve there. But as far as if you're in Ifa, remember that Ifa is throwing a quelle, so there's it's far less uh, uh, the device. Yeah selves the average the the, the um, statistics change what yeah. what shows up um but and there's there's metaphysical understandings of why that is um but uh just for clarity's sake geomantically um can it be a judge 
Uh, no, it cannot, uh, because it has seven <laughs> points. Um, so, owing to the, uh, the mathsy maths of laying out your mother figures and your daughter figures on the same lines, you have eight of them that then are added together um, to produce the nieces, uh, the, nie the four nieces and are added together to produce the two witnesses. And then those two witnesses are added together to produce the one judge. Uh, because of the layers of iteration there um, in, a, in, a, in a properly cast shield chart, there can only be eight of the 16 figures um, uh, can be judges. And those eight are the eight with an even number of points. So via as one, 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 four points total is fine. Populus as eight points total is fine. Uh, Albus as seven points total is not fine. Um, it can't be a, a, a judge uh, and therefore can't be a, a true court configuration. Uh, but I think it's still useful for us to look at the various uh, combinations, uh, the triads, we might say, uh, the non-court configurations that can produce um, uh, Albus. So, for instance, um, you know, we talked of, uh, say, uh, poor the young boy sets out on a road via to wisdom. Um, would be poor moving to uh, via producers Albus, for instance. So I still think those things, those triads and combinations, are, are, are worth considering. It's it's fascinating. I just I I it made me think about because of not that there's an immediate correspondence here between you know the higher ups and, and the ones that can't be judges because that doesn't the judges don't exist the same way. Mm -hmm. um, there is any fa. Uh, a compound that also has two witnesses always mm. um, it, there's always this uh, the primary followed by two um, so the um, and this is also ancestral right it's mirroring Ashida and Aquada yes it's mirroring the the well because this is all tied up into the the, the mythology right so Ella cannot manifest on the earth in one person wisdom cannot be the property of one person. It cannot manifest the same way that the other Arishas manifest. Mm. So it first comes to the earth and becomes the ocean. Um, and then at some point, Ella figures out how to manifest, which is through a teacher who must teach. So a teacher in order to teach must have someone to teach. There's a lot of uh, variances of homophonic twos in that sentence. Mm. Um, mm. In order to teach, the teacher must have two people to teach if you're Ifa specifically in that they, they, they pair off. So right. the, the initiation transference there uh, happens, which speaks of the twinning right there. Um, and the, the twin legs of the two legs of each Odu, um, which is always two, two of the signs, mm. uh, whether it's mirrored or, or uh, compound. Um, so there's something, there's a mystery in that itself there too, but it reflects the nature of, of transmission that, um, just like the notions of Kabbalistic training that if all you know is this one thing, then you transmit that one thing. Mm. And that person could then add to it. Um, but tracing the lineage in that way is always that thing. So mm. the, the first students become paired up in the, the legs, the things that the thing stands on um, right. or else it, it doesn't move. <laughs> so that is the, the a critique or at least a, a, a slight modification of the, of the geomancy in the sense that, um, it must be have two sides in order to be thriving. Mm -hmm. So that means there's a minimum of six figures represented in the, in the three figures at the end of an Ifa reading because mm -hmm. uh, they're compound. Um, and they can be anything because they're independently derived. They're right. derived at the same time. So that's all mechanics to think about that are that is fascinating as far as like how the figures are derived 
in that they're developed across the lines compoundly. So the, the figure is not one figure derived and then followed by another figure, which would be similar to how Dilogun represents its throws, one mm -hmm. throw followed by another, but rather it's independently derived. So you would do all of the top line dots first, which could go anywhere from two to four. Right. Um, so it's just, it's, it's, it sl slightly changes things, but the idea that um, I, what fascinated me about knowing that it's not a judge possibility mm -hmm. in that it's informing the outcome, but it's not the, it can't be the outcome, mm -hmm. which is fascinating in the sense that like it immediately has to take a back seat a little bit. It's never going to be ups, uh, as pushy as some of the ones, the others. Yeah. 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 It's uh it's an advisor. It can't be the, um, uh, the, the king of the chart. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. 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 There's a lovely exception as well. I do want to get onto uh, our, our girl Isabel, but there's a lovely exception um, in uh, Albus Moore's in in the White in the Eighth House, which uh, Catan says that it is. Um, it's good for everything. Good for all demands uh, of this house, except for nigromancy and the diabolical art in which it is ill. Unless, so there's an exception to the exception, uh, unless it be to make men sing and dance. Uh, and this one is still um, of great interest to me. I've been, I've been pondering it for a while. Um, Albus is not terribly known for its singing and dancing. Um, it's rather more known for its scholarship um, and its, its love of, of books and of quiet and of libraries. Um, and so there's, a, there's an interesting um set of uh factors here on the one hand um you know a lot of the diabolical art is said to be contained in books of darkness uh on the other hand um that you would do such a thing in order to make men sing and dance um is not uh is is playing against obvious type of albus uh, and so I'm interested in trying to nuance what's going on there. Albus isn't emotionless. It's it's very hopeful and very amiable and wants to make friends, but it, it may be a little socially awkward. But that awkwardness isn't, I don't know what to say. It's, it's, it's yeah, it, it feels more like a um, feeling you've made a friend just because you've nerded out about the same thing. Yes, in many ways, I would say it's it's quite the opposite, that, that this is an extremely emotional and volatile sign mm. that is bathing itself in dis has to bathe itself in discipline or it will destroy things mm. that uh again you are you are if we take the the lovely christian parallel here it is outspilled blood it is blood outside of its normal veins but still contained in a religious ritual of discipline that is mm. the chalice hmm oh it does not belong outside the body, but it's still contained. It's not spilled mm. like Rubius, mm -hmm. but it's still spilled. Mm. And so, you know, the, the nature here that the, the things speak of is that, you know, you have friends, but none of the, they're not true. Mm. You have passions, but you don't know how to tame them with advantage outside your own. Mm. You, if, you got, if someone said no to you that you were attracted to, it's the end of the world. Mm. You know, in this sign, it's it's it feels things very intensely. It's like you know, it's solar Scorpios. Shit. Um, <laughs> um, but it there 
you know, oftentimes when we get to these things, it's always going to be like the call to discipline, the call to reflection. What yeah. is that going to be? Um, the, you know, somebody, you, you want to have multiple options, a backup plan, always, always have a backup plan in this sign. Always. <laughs> you do not invest all your eggs in one basket. The mm. soldier does not send all of his soldiers to war. Mm. This is imperative in this. Mm. How do we get from that to Gaudi? Well, her whole coven didn't go to confess. Um, Mm-hmm. I do, you know, I mean, we might as well just freaking talk about Gaudi because we've been talking about her spattering of it as it is. Right. But I mean, Gaudi's kind of uh, just such a fascinating figure because the series of testimonies with, that are there give so much color, colorful description that plays into the existing witch mythology that was being proposed yeah. by these by the propaganda machines, and then kind of even takes it one step further. So Gaudi, for those that don't know her. Um, uh, over a course of six weeks in, in, in April um, goes into a, a Scottish judge uh, hall and talks about meeting the devil and you know here's how I turn into a hare mm-hmm. and the, the famous you know I shall go into a hare with sorrow and such and mickle care and I shall go in the devil's name I till I come home again um, hare hare I send thee care I am in hare's likeness now but I shall be in a woman's likeness even now mm-hmm. um, yeah, not just meeting the devil, but uh, having sex with him. Having sex uh, with him, transforming the formulas of what it is, mm. um, the understanding that she renounced her baptism, that the devil's mark was put on her shoulder, and blood could be sucked from it. That she, you know, the 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 coven had thirteen members. Um, this is a heavy, heavy source of what Murray used, and Gardner and Valiente capitalized on to propose a universality to this romantic fertility neo-paganism that was, that was booming. Mm-hmm. Um, that the, the brooms were laid beside the husband in bed so, so that the husband wouldn't notice she was absent. Yeah. Um, that the coven uh, rode through the air on, on magical horses and entered through the windows. Um, that the queen of the fairies, the queen of Elfame, um, specifically of Downey Hill, um, uh, was entertaining them and that there were water bowls and everything uh, mm. clay effigies of the the leader of uh, uh, the the sire of a, of a manor um, mm. so that so that sickness and death could be invoked um, you know transforming into animals like cats and hares and um, it's about house. like the elf shot stuff as well the the elf shot stuff, but notice where they went with cats and ha- as cats and hares mm-hmm to the house of one Alexander Cummings. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it wasn't really talked about a lot other than that, but yeah. Oh, but yeah. Someday we're just going to put little hair poops outside your front door just to freak you out. Not to be confused with the 18th century uh, Scottish Alexander Cumming, uh, who was a watchmaker who patented the first flushing toilet in around 1770. That's a load of crap. Yeah. Um, but, the coming and the the, the, the comings and the Cummingses were at war with each other as well, across the the the, the clan wars of, of Robert the Bruce. Well, thank God for the Stuart War and killing all the Highland culture off. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, just ending the Cummingses' war with themselves. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, okay, so. 
the thing with Gaudi's confessions that are, are super important is that she was not, they're not extracted under torture. There are some that propose that they were, mm. but she herself, she is not a young woman. She's describing things that happened like over a decade and a half or two decades. Mm. And um, yeah, in, in, yeah, in, in 1662. Yeah, right. she's, she walks in and just says this. And then we don't have record of what happened to her and many people treat this as uh, mysterious. Um, of course, all of this turns on its head. All research of Isabel Gaudi um, is, you can't discuss her now without talking about Emma Wilby. And right. um, this is the, the, the quintessential and important uh, exploration of this to, to really, as an apologist, but not without founding. Like it's to understand that maybe there's something here um, the, in this, not in a murriest way, but in the same vein of let's look at this for what it contains. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 a lot you can say about um, uh, Wilby's treatment of Gaudi, um, and a lot that should be said, um, and a lot of it's really good. Um, also, just like uh, to without even getting into interpretation of a of a thesis, like it's worth pointing out that while there was access to a lot of this. Um, material second and third hand the actual confessions were believed to have been lost when Wilby started the work and she rediscovered them in an uncatalogued box of papers in the national archives like uh so so it's worth pointing out that like she 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 literally like brought her back into the light um i mean obviously she'd influenced um these you know that that lineage of of witchcraft writers as that you pointed out but like we yeah, we can't we can't not say that to start with, and I think Wilby's you know rightly pointing out that um, we we definitely need you know the, her focus is seen to be so often on Gaudi and it is, but it's also on on John Innes right uh, Innes however that that surname said the 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 clerk who is not only it seems characteristically um, generous like in terms of you know letting her carry on about things that might not be super relevant to the thing they're talking about but also seems to have this like it seems to be a very like at all (laughs) we don't know what that's like at all no 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 idea no idea uh but no he 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 seems to really relish getting into the cosmology of like uh and what does the devil do about this you know he he really like they're they're they set up the the perfect storm of, of of being able to talk about um what's going on here and uh that that kind of adds to the complexity in that maybe if there had been more clerks clerks like uh like john then we would have more confessions like isabel's and there's there there is a lot of um uh interpretation of uh, i think wilby was the one that was talking about it as a as a uh, I don't want to say fantastical, but uh, fantastical escapist, but uh, fan- fantasy response to the trauma of rape mm. uh, was part of her thesis uh, in the description of the, of the devil's prick and everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, Diane Perkis, um, who uh, I just recently uh, started reading uh, at the bottom of the garden, Ursabet's uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, recommendation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Perkis uh, was really into the the meal aspect that that there's so much description of food and feasting in the confessions. Um, right. 
that that it describes someone who's suffering from malnourishment and mm. there's this side of it and of course that immediately allows people to discuss things like ergotism and and, and similar things but um there's some good meat in this this is one of the the, the sources of um because it's internally coherent for herself of course but yeah well this is this is the this is the root sorry this is the root issue of um you know wilby's thesis it rests on on the fact that gaudi actually like self-identifies as a practitioner of harmful magic right and through these dreams and visions isabel experiences communion with spirits and fairies and communion with other dream cult members and participation in these these harmful self-defensive magics right and th- that that's worth pointing out as well there then it is full maleficia but it's not done just because just because right um and i mean scott's love telling stories and there's a captive audience and it's it's its own side of that too i mean all those things are factors in it right right and, 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 and this has is... been discussed by any, many of the scholars in this kind of revivalism of gaudi especially post Wilby. um to the point where that was the that was the subject of the conference the inspiration for the conference last year in in cornwall um yeah i was reading a, a review by paul jenkins and he was he was just foregrounding like that this is a significant factor that like he said you know the argument that uh, isabel may have actually performed harmful magical uh, ritual magic and real acts of maleficium is totally contrary to orthodoxy he's talking about like histor- uh, historians thinking on the subject which tends to see it as something that was attributed to certain individuals rather than something that was actually performed and yes you do find the witch at the end of a pointed finger it is a political act but the idea that no one thought they were doing this stuff everyone thought it was someone else like uh you know, it it, 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 it it highlights that, uh, to, you know, to, to as, as, as Wilby argues, to assume that there was nothing real at the root of these fears, that for 300 years Europe was fixated on the identification and elimination of, a, of an entirely imaginary crime is, um, Jenkins says, a hasty and rather condescending presumption, which is fucking brilliant, right? Like, yes, we need to talk about why people would um, resort to witchcraft or, or resort to witchcraft accusations but to argue that it's all labeling theory and there's no one like self-identifying as a witch um seems bonkers then you're talking about what could in many ways be even if she's not doing all these things in actuality Hmm. but this is this is the impulse then for what is now considered traditional witchcraft yeah in looking at the concepts of the witch trials and treating them as fact and inspiration for practice Mm. um and and even so much as where in a lot of traditional craft it is not to seek the technology that it may have been but the technology that allows it to be interpreted as witchcraft Mm. because that, that is the modus right we want the ointment, the flying ointment. We don't want to talk of just herbal preparations and salves and things like this that might be from the healer's side, but literally like, I want the flying ointment that sends me through the chimney, the, the witch's ointment, the witch's mark, referring to the deities of, of nature that may, or masking traditions of, come on, and any any winter guising uh, study, you know, Violet Alford's uh, right. Animal Mask of Europe, it was such a great book, but like, the, the Osir, the, 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 the various wild men that are across Europe 
in the mountainous regions that are horned, it doesn't, I mean, you can propose that masks are an easy part of any of this. Mm -hmm. uh, all of these things are traditional craft is born from trying to treat those records as fact, or at least as an inspiration from which to build from, as opposed to um, a lot of what happens, interestingly, in, in my opinion, in the grimoire traditions that we're seeing is that we want to keep finding the urtexts, right? Go back mm -hmm. further and further um, to before Christianity, um, which, you know, I have my thoughts about that with Protestantism and, and England. Uh, once you've rebelled against the mother church, then you don't need Christianity at all. Um, whereas in the Catholic parts of the world, I mean, it wasn't, we talked about this with, with Katharina, but like, if you're Catholic, you never rebelled against mother church and everything just gets interpreted through, you know, putting it into a Catholic universe. Mm. And it's a very different thing. Um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't too long ago where it was still arguing that there was no, um, true witchcraft in, in, in Catholic or Christian countries in the same way. And mm. it's like, you can argue the opposite. That's exactly where it exists. Yeah. Because it's, that's that's the Astaroth demon is sitting there staring and making you lazy um, right um, right and I think the, the that kind of does hit the nail on the head in terms of like looking at, in terms of how <laughs> how witches approach history um, which at times can feel a little like uh, Peter has that like uh, like a, a, a wonderful line about how a lot of anthropologists approach magic like um, stereotypical straight men about uh, lesbian porn, right? They, they love the idea of projecting themselves into it, but they don't actually want to deal with the reality of the thing. Um, when you went to the academic conference, they were like, wait, you actually do this? You actually oh, do this? oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fully like people at best edging away from you, if not outright calling you uh, insane to your face um, and, and making fun of you. Um, and asking that's you your love of Jonathan Strange. <laughs> oh god yeah uh, uh i can see that story from every angle of every character in it um <laughs> so uh, so this becomes the difficulty when uh it, it like which is also some of the i think very legitimate criticisms that have been leveled at or at least provisos of things to bear in mind uh about um Wilby's, uh treatment you know um that uh, this, you know, the, 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 the classic critique is like, um, you know, uh, using evidence from like modern Brazil to talk about uh, 17th century Scotland um, might sort of exacerbate uh, the lack of direct evidence rather than remedying it. You know, um, uh, one, one review was like, the book kind of leaves the reader unsure as to how Native American belief might reflect magical practices in Scotland, right? Um, I mean, she's only following what has been done since the neo-pagan revival. Oh, for sure. And, 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 and there's plenty of uh, <laughs> other anthropologists and historians who are doing this as well. Um, uh, Polk's argument that, uh, not Runyon, um, P-O with a, a dash over it, C-S. Um, uh, Ava Polk's... Um, argument that uh, in the, the uh, Western European witch trials um, that the demonic pact might have something to do with the notion of, of shamanistic helping spirits. Like it's not, um, yeah, she's, she's in a, she's in a fine tradition here and she's filling in the pieces uh, with other pieces. Um, uh, and that's, you know, um, that's, 
a it's, set it, of it's, it's 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 hopefully scaffolding for the possibility that your hope of what this might be can be filled in later when we find more evidence that actually supports from it within the structure exactly exactly i've you know i read a a, a great uh, the possibility first exactly exactly and that's what it's doing and when you do that that's that's wonderful because that opens up our options and that uh nuances discussion and discourse um when you start treating those uh suppositions as fact as a as a as a a firm uh, uh, solid ground on yep. which to build further suppositions then you're you're outside of the realm of of, of like being fair to your historical subjects at that point Absolutely. and and just you know to to reiterate it's certainly when i say it's already been done i mean i was just talking about this with with langston and it's an ongoing conversation that i would love to do um, I, I, I wonder if it's even possible to decolonize Western witchcraft at this point mm. um, from, from what it does. Because witchcraft by its nature that we, as we explore it now, is about appropriating power. But in that, so many other things get appropriated. Right. Um, and there's, there's this constant filling in, especially with um, black and brown and red and yellow magic. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> use all of the, the things. Mm -hmm. um, the the all the races of mankind are you know um if if england look conquered the world looking for spices um mm. for good food then uh english magic conquered i don't i, I don't i'm not making you a representative of english magic but the anglo-american inheritance of, of 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 magic seems to have conquered the world to try and justify the its conceptions of anglo-english uh american magic mm. um uh yeah, but and we come across this in cycles all the time, right? Like that, that um, using shamanism to to validate and describe everything has now given way to using animism, which is a more accurate reflection. It's been refined. Um, yeah, yeah, it does feel like the the pendulum is 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 swinging back and forth towards something that's a little more accurate. And certainly, also, it, it's worth it's worth pointing out that like just because she uses that word doesn't mean that she gets to be shoved into a box of like. Eliad fanboys who aren't relevant anymore. You know, she's 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 an incredible um, responsible scholar. And I mean, yeah, yeah, and and the and the the, the stuff specifically on anthropological st uh, scholarship around uh, shamanism is around the 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 phenomena of quote dark shamanism specifically. It was yeah. a it was a direct um, deliberate intervention on noticing anthropologists' tendencies to romanticize and. Yes. Um, uh, and, and, and talk about the, the great the great uh, intellect and, and, and integrity of shamans or shamans and so to talk about assault sorcery and ritual predation and ecstatic oh, violence yeah. like that's really important that needs to be looked at that's addressing um that's not playing into a lazy trope or stereotype or um uh fantasist thinking that's 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 trying to rescue it from that oh it's like the west's obsession to call buddhism a philosophy instead of a religion right right you know, right. to, to, to exhibit Hinduism as one specific view as espoused by British colonials. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, it's, that's its own thing. Um, that's a, that's a lifetime of me having the same thoughts over and over. Um, well, yeah. And I mean, especially when you're into the, 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 the history of this and the drawing out what can and can't, you know, usefully. And, and, and again, the modal verbs of can't as in not able to, or can't as in not allowed to. Um, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I, I really liked what uh, Sierra Rose Dye uh, says about um, 
Gaudi, uh, says about um, the treatment of Gaudi in, um, in, in, in Wilby's work. So on the one hand, she, like this total shade, at times the line between hypothesis based on factual evidence and conjecture born of fancy seems to have been blurred, if not blatantly crossed, which yeah. is like, whoo, ruthless. But on the other hand, she says the significance of Wilby's project lies in its reminder to scholars and novices alike that for some people, witchcraft could indeed represent a lived experience. In emphasizing the subjective nature of visionary experience, Wilby points out that while alleged witches might not have actually flown to diabolical sabbaths on wisps of straw, they might have experienced something similar through dreams and visions uh, of flying astral projection and spiritual transformation. And here's crucially the, the, the not colonizing our own um, uh, ancestors point. In making such an argument, will be restores agency and vitality to those individuals who are so often portrayed as the passive victims of a state or patriarchy-driven witch hunt and offers significant contribution to the field of witchcraft studies. And I really like that, like that we aren't um, painting our, uh, I say our in the, in the broad sense, we aren't painting these forebears, these, these, these witch foremothers, either as, you know, exactly what it happens that we want in the 21st century, uh, uh, a traditional witchcraft TM to look like, uh, but that we're also acknowledging that they're complicated and there's things we don't know about them and we're not painting them into a corner or limiting the the strangeness of their actuality yeah it, it makes it makes perfect sense and we can complain about the 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 need to should, where Wilby doesn't cross the line she's not using um kanaima dark shamanism as a um validation of anything or a way to prove that gaudi was doing something right what she's doing it is to break the supposition that she wasn't doing anything she's yeah. using it to expand and break the box so that the question can be asked mm -hmm. and further developed in the future um which is a very different reasoning to compare it's kind of like um in the justification in in the uh in uh Pichardo versus the city of haile when when santeria was getting defended in the supreme court Mm. Um, the constant need for people to look to biblical blood sacrifice as justification for why animal sacrifice might have to happen in another tradition. <laughs> and I understand the impulse there because it's Judeo-Christianity, but you're not going to get that into a Christian's head as to it because of Hebrews chapter 9, Jesus defeats the need to, to kill animals to God. Mm. And because the without a temple-based system, you only have the Samaritans offering blood because they believe it's a different temple mount. So it's, it becomes this different thing. And also, why do you need to justify one religious tradition with another? Yeah, and, well, that's the main point there, right? Yeah, and that's, that's what's going into it, is that there's a difference in comparing it. And we get into this when we would describe anything. Um, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the errors in translation, which is a constant theme throughout all of this, and it's certainly an exploration of mine. That yeah. If, you know, if I ask you what you mean by a word, and I've never heard it before, and you start telling me other words, um, or you could just show me the thing and I'll form my own opinions of what it is. I'm going to immediately interpret it through what I know and not what you're, what you might have attached to it. And yeah. those things change. So Wilby has been approached in a certain way for so long um, that uh, it was, it doesn't allow anything new. And so mm. to bring in these outside sources is a way of actually not appropriation justification, but actually to uh, expand the conceptions because it wasn't getting different from from examining under the same lens yeah yeah um, yeah so yeah i just i find that parallel with like if we really look to this as like a a foreshadowing of what is now considered traditional witchcraft folklore mm -hmm. witchcraft as um 
there's something there in looking to this as she played into it. She either believed it or told the stories. We don't know if she was executed or not. Most people right. write down who was executed all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, by the way, yeah, that's, that's not unusual. Uh, you know, no time for uh, Shakespeare conspiracy about how weird it is that we only have one document where he signed his name or whatever it is. That's not weird. That's, that's standard <laughs> for the period. Um, yeah. It's interesting because they say that there was uh, 13 members in the coven, right? And that 41 people were arrested as a result of the redhead and Gaudi's uh, mm. testimonies, which was like, but that's, that's so much more than 13 times two. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a contagion, right? It's a, it's a, a spiritual sickness that, uh, that, that takes many it touches, etc. Hmm. hmm. I think the the instance of um, the Hylia and the idea of like forcing one, trying to make one religion, trying to trying to prove something or deny something to one religion based off another, is also an opportunity for us to think about syncretism again and and the difference between top down and bottom up, of like, you know, we're not talking just just because. A lot of Santeros might, you know, uh, and uh, with with no duplicity, consider themselves Catholic uh, uh, as well. You just just because that you can't then impose from a state level down with you know the threat of police and um, incarceration and guns and what have you. Uh, never mind, you know, state capital punishment. Uh, you can't then say, okay, you have to. Uh, we have to engage in this like theological apologetics. Yeah, I mean, explaining yourself to an authority that's so integrally tied into the system of oppression and cultural dominance of the of a, of a, of a specific religious tradition, mm-hmm. it makes sense why you would pull from what you what you can see. That's like the devil knowing the Bible better than a preacher, right. um, like know your enemy. Um, but that's a tactic as opposed to exactly there yeah. comes to the point where you shouldn't have to justify. You know, you don't. No one owes that explanation there. Um, which is also part of a Western, you know, uh, dialectic, right? You know, if you can ask, ask, ask the question, then you should, then you should have the answer, which is just not a modality that exists in, in everywhere in the world. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, certainly makes for fascinating conflicts. Um, hmm. uh, yeah. Quite I, 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 what that is, you know, the rationalized philosophies still comes st- 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 steps in there through Ashtaroth there. Fascinating. <laughs> um, Naturally, and and um, if Bartholomew is the one that that can cut off that tendency, that like the flaying knife is like you start to go, like, but and then he just chops it off. And says no, <laughs> no but, mm. <laughs> except what was just told to you. Stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and here we have these things that Mandrake that leads you out in like. Ex- it, it increases the heat of your body past your skin. It's warming, mm. right? So the heat escapes in that way. And, and uh, quartz, it, it expands and it, it, can, it can trap, but it's interesting that it's also, its name by its nature is exceptionally cold. It's so mm. cold that it's frozen, but it still is the thing that can like focus a laser beam, right? It's, yeah. it's an interesting factor there. And to night flight, the parallel to Mandrake, of course, Mandrake can be used in, in, in ointments for that, but that like leaving the body without leaving the body mm. um, is, is interesting. Um, all this and traveling without moving. Traveling without moving, yes. Um, <laughs> the most precious substance in the world is, <laughs> is time. 
Um, also that with Albus, if we think about it, um, or at least from the Arthuropon side, that a, that a soldier does not send all his soldiers into battle, you're still, you're still retaining something. The yeah. body is, is, is there, but some soldiers are going off to the Sabbath. It's mm. fascinating. Mm. Uh, and that the moon, in its the, the relationship between the luminaries and their light, the tidal forces, everything aligning to the moon, but the moon can disappear completely and come back, which is, there's something interesting to there that even the shape-shifting side of Gaudi and all these things. But um, it's contained and also the thing that, it's the container and also the thing that's contained as well, like, like skin. Um, it's a connector and a container. A portal and a place. The the lock and the key, as we like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and then yeah, and then and then Isabel standing there, kind of bringing a lot of this together, these these themes and, and concepts down in a in a con, in a set of confessions. The threading of it all is is a wonderful. I'm I'm very happy with the connect four, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. but I will say that we are definitely a long show this time. We are um, indeed. And uh, so welcome back. It's the first show of this calendar year. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been an exceptionally long March. <laughs> um, indeed. Um, it's, it's been a hell of a year this March. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so uh, I wish uh, everyone uh, good health and good spirits. Um, stay safe. Uh, stay sane. Be good to the people you are in quarantine with, whether you are by yourself or with others. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, bathe in the moonlight as best you can. Um, you know, may that be the, don't send all your soldiers into battle. Don't, don't let your emotions get taken over. But do drink as much mandrake wine as you can get your hands on. Right, right, right. Keep and your have co- sex with the devil. He's great. <laughs> he does that thing with its tongue you like. Yeah, oh. <laughs> uh, and then yeah and don't eat anything except jesus right right yeah nothing but jesus because and if you can put your finger through his foreskin then you know why wouldn't you we always invite you to check out the radio free with a facebook page um and our group folk necromancy which is generally pretty active and has quite a few members and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of posts coming out on relevant topics um as well as uh al's uh, classes, um, some of which are hosted through through my store, Wolf and Goat, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll keep prowling ahead into the future and contradicting ourselves at every turn, <laughs> just for um, just for rationalization practice, just to give Astro something to do to feel accomplished. <laughs> I will um, remember this and use it in my rationalization. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, <laughs> yes. If we, if, if we rationalize so much that Astaroth just gets fat and can't move, we've actually done a blessing for the world. There we um, go. It's our mitzvah. Um, so, so selfless. Yes, absolutely. The most humblest. Um, <laughs> so, dear humble friends, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we will put another one out very soon. Uh, we have a few guests lined up and we're excited about those things. So um, any last profound thoughts? as <laughs> thuggets yep it's definitely pronounced thuggets yep uh not especially i don't think um no no i'm, I'm not going to try and force it um if That's poetry com- yeah if poetry come not as naturally as the leaves to a tree etc um thank you all so much uh for coming on this night flight through white and lunar and witchy mysteries um thanks everyone uh good to be back good to be doing it again All right, thank you.
in the mirror I shore. <laughs> Astroth. Cast that circle, dude. Uh, so, oh, bless. So.